Look in your heart. I'm praying to you. Look in your heart. I'm praying to you. What? I'm praying to you. Look in your heart. I'm praying to you. Look in your heart. I'm praying to you. Look in your heart. Look in your heart. Buddies, it's the Ron and Fez show. 866 Ron Zero Fez. 866 Ron Zero Fez. Gonna be looking for the Ichiban. Ichiban, of course, means number one. Number one. Because we use different languages here on the Ron and Fez show. We don't uh, limit ourselves to uh, one. Hey, if we like your Ichiban today, big ass prize closet, 866 Ron Zero Fez. 866 
Ron Zero Fez. I'm Ron Bennington. Fuck Ron Bennington. There's Fez Watley. Fuck Ron Bennington. Chris Stanley. Fuck Ron Bennington. And the almost called off today, Eastside Dave McDonald. Fuck Ron Bennington. You didn't let him take off, Fez? I told, uh, I told young Eastside Dave, do what you have to do, but this, you know, seems to he, he keep works, coming up. He works a flex schedule. Oh, yeah. As I see that, I didn't realize. So, I just, uh, you know, I just said, things keep happening to, happen to keep coming up. You might want to, in the future, take, you know, have a backup plan. This doesn't seem to be the focus anymore, big man. It's definitely the focus, but, you know, it's been a lot of stress... The old lady was sick. Mm. I don't know what else to say. Uh, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Hey, Clinton, Texas. What do you got for us, buddy? Hey, buddy. How's it going, guys? What can we do for you? Hey, just wanted to let you know the intro was absolutely kick-ass. And you guys, man, y'all light it up every day. All right. Hey, I enjoy, I enjoy the radio, man. Great conversation, dude. So right. keep it up. I right, appreciate it, buddy. Miller's Crossing and the Beastie Boys. I never hear about Beastie Boys anymore. What the hell's going on there? Thought they were going to do a big tour. I never hear anything. <laughs> that is sick. Uh, Pat say. in uh, Florida. Pat. Hey there, Ronnie B. Sound like a million bucks. What can I do for you, Pat? Yeah, I got an Ichiban. Steven Tyler falls off a stage and then rushed to the hospital in uh, South Dakota. This is what always happens to the old guys. A uh, big-ass prize closet for you. Uh, at a certain point in your life, you can't see the edge of the stage anymore. The Danny Kaye, uh, Bing Crosby, and now it's starting to happen to the Rockers. 61-year-old Steven Tyler. 61 years young, Fuzzy. Mm-hmm. They're either going to need to extend the stage, or he's just going to have to start wearing his bifocals while performing. Not a bad idea. Seasons of weather. Maybe after a certain age, just start tethering the lead singer. Not a bad. Not bad at all. Safety harness. Safety harness, the son of a bitch. Who's this kid running? Um, California's Javi Best. Oh, I'm going to get him down in my fantasy league. <laughs> write that down. This might be our first fantasy league year. You know how everybody else in this fantasy league we, ever, we never do? Right. We might just do a run a fest show fantasy league. Nice. Have the big draft party like everyone does. We have to have a draft party? Yeah, if you're gonna if you're gonna go fantasy league, you have to have draft party. Why? You have you been in fantasy leagues? No, I have never done it. <laughs> well I'm not I'm gonna do one without a draft party. I don't like a draft party. Have you ever been in Dave? Yeah, but I don't do a draft party because there's only one computer. You're gonna have twenty people. What are they supposed to do? Like share the computer? I don't understand how why would they, there would be a draft party. Anything to make Watley look like an idiot. Huh? No, I love sure. it. Hey. Yeah, because the draft party's never existed before. It's uh, never <laughs> happened. I love it, Dave. I love what you're saying. Fez is a dick. I, yeah, I brought up the unicorn. <laughs> the mythical creature of the draft party. Hold on. I, don't, I never fucking played this. There's unicorns in it. What do we get? Magic cards? Hicks, you ever done one of these stupid things? I did a baseball draft fucking like 10 years ago, and I just... Did you have a draft party? No, it wasn't a draft party. Just on the uh, draft, draft party. A dick. ESPN is running a commercial <laughs> showing a draft party going on in a garage. That's garage if we lived in England. ESPN's all about promoting ESPN. They don't oh! really. And they're fantasy league, you redheaded dick. You should let them off today. You should let them off. 
<laughs> oh, I'm sure it'll come up again. Um, I, for one, don't even like EPSPN. Here is uh, Don at Tom's River. Hey, how you doing, everybody? What can we do for you? Little itchy bond, uh, Posh Spice looks like she's going to come in and steal Paul Abdul's baby face heat and replace her on Idol. You know, that Simon's been after Posh Spice for years. Uh-huh. He's always saying Posh Spice should be on the show. Posh should do this. I guess he's friends with Bex. Uh, would that surprise you, Fez? Or you, you thought they wanted to stay at three. I thought four just seemed so awkward last season that I thought they would stay at three judges. Well, four, and here is the perfect opportunity. Four seems awkward because you're used to three. But, I mean, they could have a hundred judges. Who gives a fuck? Still a stupid show. Uh, so is this a definite? Is it going to go down? Or is this just a uh, rumor mill? I think it's, I think it's just rumor mill. I think they're going to stick with the three judges. Dave, what do you think? I think she's. Uh, I think it's a, it's a definite. Oh, I really, oh of course. I love it. Yeah, Wait, yeah, yeah. I love it. I just give yeah. my Unicorn fucking talks crazy again, doesn't he? Just give my. You opinion. look like shit today, Dave. Yeah, I feel like it. I didn't sleep at all. Not one fucking week. Why didn't you take off today? Fez didn't let you. Um. No, I, it wasn't Fez's fault. I, I understand what he's saying. I fucking can't. I, I did take days off when I, you know, the kid and shit like that. So I said stay home if you need to. Why did you make the mistake of calling Fez and not call <laughs> Ronnie B, who you know doesn't give a fuck? I definitely want to wake Ronnie call? B. I called Fez at 7.50 and then... I, but, hold on. I, I know. I made the mistake of calling his cell phone. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, now we understand your frustration because I he didn't pick up. Oh, oh shit. Oh, <laughs> you're you're <laughs> calling me at, at, at 7.50 in the morning and you're frustrated? <laughs> and I'm hearing the same story again? No, I'm saying that the frustration... <laughs> Why aren't you sleeping? Uh, my wife was up all night long uh, throwing up. Straight shoot, swearing the Bible, swearing the kids. Did I call you a liar? No, and so I was staying with the kids and everything, and, you know, doing the, uh, which is just fucking ridiculous, the every hour and a half, here's some, some milk. Yeah, they like milk, <laughs> don't they? They do like diaper. to eat. I don't understand why. I mean, even now, you ever wake up in the middle of the night and think I'd like some milk? Really? What the fuck gets into a baby's head? It's retarded. Do you know how many other beverages we have? <laughs> why have a fucking juice box? What good's milk do for you in the middle of the night? So, jack shit on sleep. Literally jack shit. Um, here is uh, Randy in uh, St. Louis. Randy. Good morning, buddy. Yeah. Gonna eat your bond for you. Uh, uh, 911 call center in Iowa is the first one in the country to accept text messages. Why do you need to text a cop? You're fucking so busy you just can't tell them what's going on? It seems like it would take a while to spell out your emergency rather than hit three numbers and tell someone. Fred from Brooklyn is right. People hate a face-to-face. They don't want to have human interaction. Big-ass prize closet for you, Randy. I don't get it. You would just text A-H-L-P. You wouldn't you you wouldn't bother putting in the E for help. Well, now they gotta fucking find you. You're not giving out your address. What are they gonna do? Triangulate your fucking cell phone. Just what is it? You got a phone in your fucking hand. I'm gonna tell you right now. If texting started first, we'd all be so happy to call each other and talk. 
You know what I'm saying? Right. They'd be like, this is fantastic. I don't have to sit here and fucking type on my goddamn telephone. I can just tell people things. The BlackBerry service has BlackBerry messaging, and Sam was trying to get me into everything. And I'm like, okay, so what is this? And it's I am on your phone. The reason why people did IMs was because they were at a desktop. Yeah, well, here's what I, I fucking hate about the uh, the Blackberries, too. If you're with somebody with the Blackberry, you're like, you hear this ping, ping, and you're like, oh, is your phone ringing? Oh, no, I got an email. Yeah. So now, oh, God forbid, you're fucking having lunch with me, uh, and an email goes off. And now in the Blackberries, there's all Facebook updates and Twitter updates, too. That's oh, I know. I've been with a Twitter updater. I'm not, I don't put them in my BlackBerry at all. I just keep my... That's why your Twitter isn't happening. My Twitter is rocking right now. I made three videos last night. Well, guess what? I get a call. Well, I'm not talking about... Let's just say Fez was annoyed. Somebody in your family feels the need to try to put Jay Moore and Opie together. I have no idea. Me neither. But Fez oh. gave me the call last night. Yeah. I'm like, ignore. And then well, what, I get the call today. What's wrong with that? Um, well, this is, is your it? fucking job. These are people oh. that you work with. Yeah. Right. Just so you know. Really? Any of the any business involved there? I don't think so. I guess. You're right. And then uh, I get a call today from him. Dave doesn't want to come in. I guess the Twitter updates are keeping people up all night. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't know what's going on between you two guys. But yeah, we generally don't have our fucking chicks involved with another show. And a traveling comedian. Okay. Because that becomes a reflection of telling them both to call each other, according to Fez. Okay. Well, I think one of them reached out to the chick. I don't know. Doesn't that seem odd? It does. But, I mean, if they reach out, was she supposed to say no? How do you reach out? Anybody ever reach out to my fucking chick? You <laughs> no, know what I'm on, saying? On the Twitter. Like, but that's what I'm trying to say. You ever uh -huh. see Opie say, Mrs. P, I no. need to talk to you for a minute? No, I don't. Got a lot of stuff on my mind. This is what annoys him. And then you try to take off the next day. So I get the call. Okay. I'm not trying to fucking start in trouble. I'm just trying to have a, like a regular fucking job. Right. Like human beings do. Uh, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Uh, here is... Uh, let's go over here to uh, uh, Chris. Chris, you're on my Fez. Hey, guys. Uh, Pedro Martinez pitched... Uh, nine strikeouts in six innings for the double-A Reading Phillies last night. Well, that's great, but you know what? Uh, I really don't care if we fucking, uh, if we end up uh, beating minor league teams. We we really need to get him in the pros. It's so funny. Only You will only hear Major League Baseball doing that. You'll never hear, like, uh, oh, we hired a quarterback and he's playing two games for a fucking semi-pro team. By the way, there's no stupider fucking word than semi-pro football. It's not real. <laughs> You're not connected with any team. Stop going into a bar and say, saying you play semi-pro. Everyone has an uncle who tried out for the semi-pro Broncos. Uh, here is um, Tad. Tad, you're on a Fez. Hey, Ron. Hey, Fez. You sound like a million bucks. Uh, Dave, you sound like Black Earl. Whining. Um, it's Bond. Vince Neal took a digger in uh, Canada on stage. Vince Neal's now falling off stages. We yep. cannot keep our rock stars on top of stages. If the rock stars aren't falling off the stages, the stages are collapsing. We have a major stage problem in this country. Uh, Bart, you're on Fez. Today's Ichiban is Casey stays up all night puking because she's pregnant. It's about time. Dave. I did jizz in her. 
to uh, like a month ago. Did you really? In the on the Atlantic City uh, trip. Why? <laughs> oh my god! We banged twice. This and the first time I pulled out, but the second time I did a little bit. Why? But she's not. She's. I. I she had her period like two weeks ago. But why are you rolling the dice again? I didn't mean to. You didn't mean to the first two times. Just There's nothing in your life that's planned. It just happened. The first time I definitely pulled out. The second time it was like I had to do it. You mean you had to do it? It happened like it just came out of me. Like I didn't even mean Maybe to do it. Maybe you could fucking see that you're not a guy with restraint. Right. Well, and we were like banging like a minute and a half on the doggy style in the shower. And it just came out of me because I was like, wow, there's all this water and shit and Right. And it just comes, came out. Like, I wanted to go a lot longer. It was only, like, 90 seconds in. Right. You can't pull this off. You're going to have to condom up. You're going to have to get snipped. Are you absolutely insane? You almost didn't come in today because of your home situation. It was uh, not my intention, certainly. But that's what happened. It's difficult when there's hot water and there's a steaming shower. That's why you don't wait till the last second. You say to yourself... I don't, I, I can't fucking pull this off. The condoms fall off in the shower. Like, how are you supposed to even put a condom on in the shower? I'm, like, why would your condom fall off, fall off needle dick? <laughs> why don't you keep a fucking hard on? In the shower? You can't keep a hard on in the fucking shower? I thought, like, the water would make it slip off anyway, so there was no way in hell. Like, the, 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 the water's just going to make it slide off. What's the point? Mm. All right. But not, not to get pregnant, pregnant again? She's that not, could be the point. She's not pregnant. Why do you bring your personal life to the fucking show? I'm just <laughs> curious. The guy asked. It's like a runaway train, and you know there's a fucking wall there we're going to hit. I got two words for you. Yeah? Vasectomy. Vasectomy. That's one word, I think. I don't give a fuck how many words. <laughs> we'll do it for you. We'll put an end to this fucking madness. You should be fucking forced vasectomy. <laughs> um, here is uh, Clint in Texas. Hey, I want a, some heads up for that dumb fucking redhead you got in there. My uh, my wife has had our second kid during that pregnancy. She was having her period all the way up to like the second trimester, um, and she was pregnant the whole time, still having a period. This isn't creep show. No one believes that. Then he had a retired kid. <laughs> Kathy in Virginia. Hey, Dave. If you guys had sex two weeks after her period, that's when she's most fertile, uh, 14 days after the last day of her uh, cycle. She's not pregnant. So, no, seriously. Well, we'll see. I don't believe she's pregnant. Are you saying this just to drive Fez crazy? No, I'm not. I think he is. He's got to be because I, can't, uh, I couldn't believe that someone could be that irresponsible. I mean, that sounds insane. Well, the first time I did pull out, and it was marvelous. But then we had this big shower all to ourselves in the Borgata, and I thought, yeah, let's let's do that as well. And then I left it in. And then you're always saying, how is this happening? Why is my life so fucked up? Right. Well, this is, you know, look, if something were, were to occur, I'll get $300 together. Oh, you're not as Catholic as you used to be? <laughs> I still am. Uh, <laughs> seriously Heck, look you're at, his fucking friend, right? Seriously, look at the yes. other option. Why don't you choke him? <laughs> you think about it sometimes. He's tried. He's, he's choked me with his flatulence. 
Um, here is um, Rick. Rick, you're in Tampa. You're on the Ron Foe show. Hey, Ron. Got to eat you, Bon. What do you got for me? Today is the 64th anniversary of the atomic bomb dropping on Hiroshima. Uh, we and I didn't send them anything. I don't think they want anything now. How many years are we taking on 64? 64 is what he said. Uh, 45. 45. It actually was nice that they dropped it on them in the summer, though. You know, because then you can walk around like a t-shirt and, you know, in shorts. It's not that bad of a deal. If it was the winter time, that'd be a lot worse. Freezing out. Uh, Brian in Philadelphia. Brian. Hey, morning, guys. Um... I just wanted to tell Dave, the, the, uh, the most recent U.S. government report that just came out last week states that to raise a child to age 18 <clears throat> from birth is uh, $221,000. And adjusted for inflation, that's uh, almost $300,000. So if you have a third kid, you're going to have to come up with almost a million bucks. You don't have to worry about money bags. She's always prepared. Public schools. That, that's, that's private school talk. You know what your kids are going to be known as? What? The white kid. The schools that you're going to be sending up to, that's, that's going to be their, both their nicknames, white kid. That's fine. That's good. They'll make him into good b-ball players. <laughs> Neptune High School. He's Stanley McDonald. Oh, you live in Neptune? I mean, uh, it's in that vicinity. Do you still want to do that bit, find Dave's house? No, I don't want to do that bit. Thanks. It was, you know, it's closer. <laughs> to, for the baby's crying. Closer to Hal. Hal, I should say. Hal. <laughs> people from Hal can go to Neptune. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how it works. <laughs> uh, Jeff in Phoenix, you're on the face. Hey, uh, Dave just needs to keep like a coat hanger and old paint bucket around, and things will be just fine. If anything, you had to fucking take that coat hanger and slit his fucking wrist with it. I don't want to do that, Mr. B. I've seen heat. Natalie Portman scene always disturbed me. So you wanted to stay home today because you didn't get any sleep? No, it's because um, I couldn't find the uh, babysitter for the kids. That's mm -hmm. why. It was. It had nothing to do with me not sleeping. It was um, my parents were out. They could. They Golfing. weren't. No, and, and, and today the, my mom goes up to the north. Chip and putt. <laughs> <laughs> no. Where does she go? She goes to North Jersey to do like she, she helps out with. Christian charities and she teaches. Yeah, I got a Christian charity. Your own fucking grandchildren. <laughs> Missionary the, work. <laughs> there's the fucking Christian charity. Good. You know what you ought to say? Here's your Catholic work. Teach your son how to fucking wrap it. Well, that's not Catholic to do it. That's like what I'm that. trying to say. She's but, fucking creating a third world right there in Neptune. <laughs> so that's why I got a neighbor though. After like banging on doors. Oh, I wish I lived near you. <laughs> Do you know these neighbors well, or are you just asking strangers? No. I do. I mean, we, we, we live in an alcove, so I figure no one in the alcove is going to fuck shit up. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like it's like a block that, but but I, I didn't know the, the, these people, but I did notice that they have like a little adopted Mexican kid, so. Right. So what did you ask? Can you watch my kids today? Because my wife is sick. And they're, I, I said, I'm 19. Hi, nice to meet you. We're the McDonald's, House 19. Why am I going to... <laughs> I have no idea why you're doing that. House 22! I, I thought it was your age at first. <laughs> I'm 19, and I have two babies. It's babies having babies. You've heard of it. Muppet babies. Do you realize how sane you're making Fez look now? Why? I'm not you're trying to... You're a mess. To... 
You're fucking asking strangers to watch your kids. <laughs> You're basically leaving them on in baskets at the neighbor's door. No, I went, I shook hands with these people, I, I saw them, I met them, and they said they're cool. And I, I knew that these, these kids, these people have an adopted, like I said, Mexican baby, so I didn't think they'll fuck anything up. I wasn't asking, like, you know, people with tattoos or anything, you know, these were, like... Just nice-looking strangers. <laughs> yeah. Mid-40s. This really won't teach your children not to talk to them if they're being raised by them. I mean, Fez, the other day you're fucking furious <laughs> that somebody left their kids in a car. Right, yeah. This guy's leaving his kids with strangers. <laughs> I have to do it. My it's wife insanity is to me. throwing up. She is totally bedridden. But you know those things happen. It's happened in the past. Have a plan. <laughs> No, this hasn't happened. Are you before. saying that your dad never gave you to strangers before? <laughs> yes, I'm saying that. That my father never dumped me off with strangers. Ba babysitters are strangers, kind of. Like, yeah, because you don't check up on them. <laughs> no one used to check up on babysitters back in the day. Yeah, and that's why everybody grew up raped. <laughs> um, here is uh, Mike in Georgia. Hey, uh, Dave. Your parents live in an impression in a wall? Because that's what an alcove is. Do they live in a cul-de-sac? Oh, yeah, cul-de-sac, sorry. It's a so, breakfast, breakfast I, nook that him and his I, neighbors I, live I, in. I, I had, so your kids are in this home now? Yeah. While we speak? I hope so, yeah, unless Casey went and got him, but they should be in the house while we speak. I dropped him off. So the neighbor didn't even go to your house no, where I, Casey's there, no. at least with the kids. No, I knocked on their door, and I brought them over. Did you let at least Beanie know, since you're so busy today, I'm going to just hand the my kids over to the people in 17? Well, I left several <laughs> messages, and then um, my when I got my dad, he just said she's she's up in North Jersey doing you know her charity thing. And I, my dad doesn't like babies, so he was out of the, 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 the picture. Uh, Matt in Buffalo. Hey, Ronnie. I don't think it's a big deal. I mean, my first babysitter that I had for my son, complete stranger, we did it with a handshake, and they had a Mexican baby, too. Um, All right. Maybe, fine, I'm, right? maybe I'm crazy. I, I, I guess this is a lot more common. I don't know if you're being sarcastic or your story was similar, eerily similar to Hold mine. Hold on. But. I want to make sure I pull this uh, part of the show so I can send it to my mom and make her cry. <laughs> Just because it's like my mom will start to cry if she hears sad things on the news. Yeah. Or sees like one of those uh, Lifeline movies. <laughs> this would be perfect. My, Hex, do me a favor. Add some like sad music and stuff. And <laughs> did you, Twitio, as you're driving away, some stranger holding your babies with their arms out, no, reaching to you? I should have. I stand corrected. Apparently, uh, leaving your kids with strangers is more common than a draft party. <laughs> so I stand corrected here today, Ronnie. It's true. Why haven't you dropped the draft party thing? We've moved on to serious matters. You fucking still bringing up your unicorn draft party. I'd like to, if we're going to have a draft, I'd like to have a party to go with it for our fantasy league. So How sad. are people going to look up their stats in the draft party? There's one computer and 20 people. What, I want somebody to run my team for me. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Sounds please. so boring. It's it's the worst. Um, yeah, I don't understand. Uh, PK in New Jersey, you're in my face. 32-1, buddy. What do you got, pal? 
Dave, you jelly fucking asshole. You have tattoos yourself, but you wouldn't allow someone with tattoos to watch your no. kids? You'd allow a fucking stranger to do it instead? What What is wrong with anybody who's tattooed? I don't understand what that is. Well, I mean, some of the people with the tattoos, you know, they got the, the fucking KKK or whatever. You know, it's just, it's a, it's a shady look. Why don't you move in that uh, kid that lives in Solera's basement? I love that kid. <laughs> Brian kid, Dawkins. Yeah, the kid from Trainer. Oh, yeah. Brian I Dawkins. saw him taking video at the Vagabond Souls things. Mm -hmm. He might be up for my Listener of the Year award because he, <laughs> wow. he knows stuff about Trainer. It's only August. Yeah. He was so mad when the real Brian Dawkins got traded <laughs> from Philly. Anytime I see him, he'll go like this. You hear what happened in Boothwin? He really <laughs> gives me some small town news that I'm looking for. I love that guy. He's great. Um, Hell of a slap boxer, too. I slap boxed him once. Here is uh, Chris in Ohio. Chris. Yeah. Uh, hey, uh, Fez is right about the uh, draft party. We got a whiteboard and mine's all ready to roll. But another question I have is uh, who, which member of your staff left their cat at the vet for several days after they returned from a trip and is now cracking on somebody else for responsibility? Which member of the staff is that? All right, so the cat equals two children? Where are you coming from? Ohio. Oh, that makes sense. Dude. It's still a responsibility, dude. And I'm sorry, I think you are one of the most self-centered, self-absorbed, hey, uncaring people on the entire planet. Chris, oh, I'm sorry, uh, miss. Chris, let, let me really say this. And I know we're not supposed to say this in a post-Michael Vick world. Fez is right. I'd rather a guy shot a cat in the ass. Then fucking handed two kids over to somebody he doesn't know. And, family. They were a family. And mine wasn't even a stranger. Mine was my cat's doctor. And you know what? You're kind of... Res <laughs> <laughs> I'm just laughing at this idiot from Ohio who's equating a rescue feral cat with two living, breathing human children. It's insanity to me. Well, I, I knew for a fact my cat was getting fed. I don't know what's going on. They're in the gonna, alcove. They're not going to starve this Mexican baby. Stanley and Juliana will just reach over, grab that shit from her, be like good Caucasians. Next time, do you want to call me and ask for the day off and not Fez? Yeah. I think who you like, have nothing but heat with? I don't want to bother you. I Dude, only do thing. I only send you I, weird fucking YouTube clips at night. Yeah, and guess what? This is weirder. <laughs> this is the weirdest thing ever. Did you get yesterday's? No. Oh, the, something about a fat kid stuck in a trampoline. <laughs> That's why you're not sleeping at night. I just gotta keep Ronnie B entertained. Yeah, you do it uh, through your own personal life. Oh, the kid shoots right out of a fucking trampoline. Yeah, no, but the the, the main thing is that I just I know it's way too early, so there was no no. I'm not gonna wake you up. Come on, dude. Here's the important thing, and no it. And the important thing isn't whether your kids are with strangers. The important thing is if Jay Moore and Opie start talking to each other again. Sure. That's the thing that matters most. Uh, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. That's stuff we're on top of. Yeah. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Uh, here's uh, Kevin in Virginia. Hey, Ronnie B. Yeah. I just wanted to ask Dave, uh, did he ever think that maybe there were some robbers in the house and they were robbing the house he just give his kids to a couple of robbers? Home Alone. I wouldn't do that. They're being babysat by the wet bandits? I would honestly do this, though. I would I mean, have... I would have... Um, I'd leave my kids with Daniel Stern, but not Joe Pesci. 
I would have bet cash money you wouldn't have held. I would have came in here today and no one could have said, did anybody in your staff uh, hand their kids over to strangers? <laughs> I would have lost so much cash because I would have said, no fucking way. I would have spoke too soon. What I got to do is fucking pause, Fezzy, before I bet. It's either don't underestimate or don't overestimate. I don't know which one it is in this case. And the true story is this was like the uh, third house because the other two houses had to go to work. Uh, Mitchell Walters? Live in Virginia Beach. How are you, buddy? Good, sir. This, uh, Fezzy, this is legendary comedian Mitchell Walters. What's up, Mitchell? I, I have to babysit those kids when I'm back in New York. <laughs> First of all, <laughs> let me just say this. Fucking I'm Mitchell... Like Mitchell Walters wouldn't leave two bindles with strangers. That's correct. <laughs> if I was with those babies, Mitchell, they'd be crying, yeah. and they would, want, they would want a little package. <laughs> Your little ones. If Mitchell fucking goes to the bathroom, he takes the mirror with him. He fucking <laughs> has responsibility. You, on the other hand, Dave, this is a crazy story. Oh. How could he leave the babies alone? Well, because they seemed like respectable folks. I want you to hey, swear to God this is a true story. I swear to God. Put your hand up in the air. How old are these people that are watching the children? Like I said, mid-40s to late-40s. And they All have right. an adopted baby. So they, that, that, to me, the, the key was the adopted Mexican baby. To me, seems like, you know, Brad Pitt and Jolie, they're, they're, they care about children. It's, it's, a, it's a nice angle, but uh, there's no guitar hero involved, I guess. Mitchell, I understand you're working Flathead's brand new comedy club. Yes, we're driving in the rain right now. We're about an hour away. We're gonna call you at one thirty. Uh huh. I just, uh, I'm just between Percocets right now, so I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm driving. <laughs> All right, so uh, and Flats is gonna do stand up there. Oh, he's gonna, I guess he's gonna get up. He's gonna introduce the show, and uh, and hopefully, uh, I like to get paid up front. That's my plan. Yeah. Well, what your, your plan is to get paid too much up front. Oh, much too much. In fact, I'd like to get paid for the whole weekend tonight. <laughs> yeah, get paid up front and then leave before the Saturday show. <laughs> <laughs> Just like the old days at your club. Oh, God. Uh, okay. All right, Mitchell. I will call you later. I just got by. I was in Vegas with Slayton for two weeks. But you're always in Vegas with Bobby Slayton. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> All right, talk to you later, pal. Uh, you sound good in the rain. All right, talk to you later. There he <laughs> goes. Bye-bye. You look good, too. Yeah, there, he, there he goes. Bye-bye. <laughs> I'm in the rain. I'm in the rain, Fezzy. Get a hold of Roddy immediately. I'm about to have a coronary if I don't get this fucking Shylock off my back. Ron, it's Mitchell again. <laughs> I can't fucking rest and do this show knowing that fucking uh, some crazy people might be shooting a baby porn right now with those redheads. I don't think that's even possible. If, let's check on, on the kid. Go to babyporn.com and see if your kids are okay. Why didn't you at least put a pal talk camera in front of them? Drop the laptop in front of them. Because they don't have like a connection. Fez, let him stay home when this shit comes up. <laughs> told him to do what I he had to do. I can't do. fucking relax. Right. But I just Googled <laughs> babyporn.com. Yeah. It said estimated worth 226 fucking dollars. I have no idea what you're talking about, but let me ask you this. Do you have those people's phone number? Um, No. But th they're two houses over. Oh, you do have their address. But you can you're mail in New York. Check. Right. 
So what good does that do for you? Well, I said, any problems, go over to 19. I left the door open. I said, just shout out to Casey. She's in. She's upstairs in, in, in the bedroom. Just, she, just uh, shout out. I also gave them everything that they need. They and also they have like a like I said a little two year old, but I gave them um, like six Stanley diapers, six Juliana diapers. I'm gonna I'm gonna bottles. ask you again to swear to God, this is a true story. I swear I'm to about God. to shut the fucking show down, get in the fucking car and drive down to Jersey no, and get I'm, your I'm, kids. Let me tell you something. I can't fucking live like this, Dave. I'm telling you the, that these people. See, I've seen you don't these know people. them. I know, but I've seen. But I drive home every day. They're playing with their kid on in the front yard. I'm not leaving them with like you know fucking crazy lunatics. What are the people's names? Um, the one I just know the woman's name, whose name is Mickey, and I don't know the guy's name. Mallory. Mickey, <laughs> Mickey is what they just slipped your kid. <laughs> oh God. Uh, Bruce in Louisiana. Yeah, Ronnie, when, uh, when I was two years old, my mom used to leave me in a high chair and go to work, and the woman from across the hall would come and check on me. She didn't know who the woman was. Just come over every couple hours, look at little Bruce in the high chair, and leave. <laughs> Bruce is a little And this Bruce. is the way you want to be fucking remembered, <laughs> like his fucking mom? Who'd you leave him with, Fagin? Are they going to be stealing <laughs> handkerchiefs of rich people? Why are you laughing at this, Fez? Well, I Fagin find... is a funny reference. <laughs> okay, but I fucking find you partially responsible for not giving this fucking loser the day off. I told him that if he has to do what's important to him, I let him make a choice. Now, did I think the choice would be the non-speaking, uh, English-speaking strangers next door? No. No, no, no. I they're, never they're... dreamed that that would happen. My the strangers are Caucasian, as I've said several times. They adopted a Mexican baby, but they're Caucasian. I've made that very clear, and that's why I even made the Brad Pitt Angelina Jolie comparison. I never even saw a fucking movie this wacky. Sure, you have three men and a baby. This is nice Caucasian couple and a Mexican baby and a baby and then another baby. Yeah, so now this woman's got three fucking babies <laughs> all under the age of two. It's like the reverse if I guess three men and a baby. So a stranger and three babies. <laughs> a lady and three babies. <laughs> um, Chad, Chad, you're on a fez. Dave, uh, I, I'm about fucking speechless. I, I really hope you understand the point of view from the people you drop the kids off with. They probably accepted them so they could dial child services as soon as your dumbass walked away. Well, you're you're going to miss several days of work having to deal with court trying to get your kids back. That's not going to happen. I say to them, my wife is throwing up. She is obviously has some kind of fucking flu, food poisoning or something. They come in, they say, well, I say, can you watch them? Because I know that they stay home to watch their kid. They go, sure, of course, we'd love to. They even know Juliana's name. Now, they don't know Stanley's name, but they know Juliana's name. Well, they, I'm sure Juliana will tell them. And they go, yes. Uh, here's uh, Steve in New York. Hey, Fezzy, glad to hear you laughing, buddy. Sound great. Thank you. But Dave, He's laughing to Dave. Dave, Dave, listen. 
How responsible are these people if they're the only ones that aren't even freaking working, dude? What's nope. up with that? Because I think that they're they're rich. They have a Lexus. And like I said, they're, uh, they're, they're, oh, they're, that first of all, they that can't go sense. to work if they're on methadone. It's too fucking <laughs> difficult. You have to see this couple. They're, they're, they're I'm not... in between Percocets right now. <laughs> of course, I'd love to watch your baby. Hey, one more question for you real quick. Sure. How are them balls doing? Are they still have pimples on them? Doing all right? Pit balls? Your Pit. balls. Then we had the ball problem, the jock itch, and all that stuff. Oh, I still have the rash. Thank you for uh, asking me, but... Hey, no problem, buddy. Okay, Keep great. Smiling. Yeah. Uh, here is uh, Max in Idaho. Fez's Mickey and Mallory line was fucking brilliant. Attaboy, Fez. Here is uh, Blake. Blake, you're on running Fez. Hey, this just in. Two Caucasians trying to get into Canada with a Mexican kid and two little redheaded Jews. Spy report. Spy report. Spy report. I only got one Jew in my family. Not the children? No. Jewish law says if the mother is a Jew. The fuck the Jewish law. We're, we're Catholics. Oh, oh, my gosh. Oh, really? When did you have the baptism? I would have loved to have come by. We are. We're going to have it. <laughs> Which one? I'll give you a heads up. At 11.58 on Saturday. <laughs> it, it, it literally would be a double header. Um, here is uh, Chris and PA. Ronnie. Yes, sir. How you doing? I says, you sound great, by the way. Holy crap. Uh, Dave, l listen up. I'm sitting here on eBay right now. I see pictures of two little red-headed kids, 29 plus shipping. Should I make a bid? If, if I get the money. If you have PayPal. Here's Matt in Ohio. Hey, Ronnie B. Yeah. Uh, Dave, how sick could your wife be that she couldn't watch a baby or two babies? What do they do? They sit there all day. Uh, you don't, you're, you're not a parent, right? No, I am. They're fucking babies. They all they do is when one of them fucking stops crying, the other one starts. It's like a strobe light of crying, pissing, and shitting. Dude, you don't. You left them with people who don't even know their names, man. You seriously, Mickey? I, 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 I know the woman's name. And Mallory. Bring oh, it, God. Bring That's it. So I, I, I bring what? I hope child <laughs> services take your kids away, you idiot. Bring it, dude. Call them. Who are you? Why invite that? I don't know. You're now asking the fucking listeners to call child services. No, 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 I take that back. I take that back. My mom used to drop us off at the Fanning's house, who were... Oh, she knew them? Across well, the, Dakota. Across the street. It's the same exact deal that we did in our family. Uh, Squig. Squig, you're on the Ron Fez show. Peachy Bond, Ronnie B. What you got? Charlie's Angel. Squeaky Frog getting out of prison. Uh, one of the Manson girls squeaky from uh, uh, leaving prison and was just handed two redheaded babies. <laughs> so uh, everyone who tried to shoot President Ford is now out. Who was the other one? Um, I can't think of her name, but she got out a little while ago. Then they, it wasn't even like in the same week they tried to shoot him. It seemed like it was really close together. This guy was so bumbling he couldn't even get shot. Yeah, one I think the the gun jammed. The no, other one that hit the curb. The gun jammed. What are we pirates? <laughs> when the fucking guns jam? In the movies, that is it. Enemies of Indiana Jones guns always jam. Uh, here is um, here's John. John, you're on first. Dave, you fucking idiot! You got Joel Steinberg and had a nussbaum watching your kids. <laughs> 
I don't know who those uh, wonderful people are, but James and White Plains. They sound delightful. Hey, Dave, uh, you are a pretty selfish guy. You just pretty much dropped off, might as well be the two monkeys from Outbreak in someone else's house to spread your wife's uh, illness. Uh, my baby were quarantined from them. I stayed up all night watching the kids. I made that clear. Secondly, I'm not selfish. I'm c- coming into work. That's the point of why I had to do this. Let's keep the, your eye on the ball, Mr. Caller. Dave, why don't you take the day off and be with your kids? Because I don't want to, Ronnie. <laughs> Here's the weird deal. In this whole war of Fez versus the McDonald family... <laughs> All he has to do is say nothing to win. But when you fuck up, Fezzi, is uh-huh. when, you, when you give opinions. Right. What you should do is just give facts. <laughs> I don't feel like it's a war. I feel like we're just being bombed, like we're France in that one war. Is that right? I don't, I'm not trying to start a war. Um, yeah. yeah, nothing's been done on the other side. Uh, Julio from Mexico. Julio, what can we do for you? Hey, buddies. Yeah. Yeah, I working up in Jersey last weekend. Uh, someone stole my baby. I think we might have a lead. <laughs> that baby might be in an alcove. Could understand and Neptune. Uh, here's uh, Joe in Strong Island. Joe, you're on the Ron Fez show. Yo. Yeah. Yeah. What the? Yo, Jeffrey Dahmer was a nice guy. Everybody said. Now, they could be eating his fucking kids by now, cooking them for fucking lunch. You never leave the kids with fucking strangers. What, is he nuts? Well, how do you explain me? I was left with strangers, and these people aren't... It's Jeffrey Dahmer lived alone, for fuck's sake. This is a married couple with a kid. If you saw a picture of these people, it's like, you know, they're like the Huxtables, only a lot less black. Like, they're, they're totally, totally fine. They sound fantastic. They are. You know what the best thing about them? They're nearby. <laughs> what? I live in an alcove. We only... can't go over Route 35. And... That's the only fucking criteria they had. There's no I... other ways to go. I, I, well, then I have to give the kids to a liquor store or, or Dunkin' Donuts. So now people <laughs> should really fucking consider me more of a hero. The only two stores you visit in that town. Fuck yeah. I'm not ashamed of that. I'll give this much for the neighbors. They they took in two strange babies without even just well, at a moment's notice. I'll give you I'll give you the reason. They're like Pharaoh's daughter. Uh, I'll give you the reason. Uh, Pat from Monaki said these people are having a menage a toddler as we sit here. Huh? <laughs> 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 having a menage a toddler. How many of these? How many of these uh, bowls of cereal do you think I could eat? <laughs> I bet a hundred. It's disgusting. Menage a toddler is disgusting. Uh, Richie and Merlin. Richie. Hey, uh, Ronnie B. Uh, Davey Mac, did you at least get their last name? No, I don't know. I, we've gone over Jesus this. Christ. What the hell, man? It's uh, I know these people. Barely, I mean... their last name, you can at least do a little bit of background. I know where they live! They're in the fucking house 22! What am I gonna say? There! There they are, cops! The people kidnapped my kids are right there! Is that what you're hoping for? No! Are you hoping to end the responsibility? (laughs) Or are you just trying to get in the paper? Dave, why don't you bring the kids to work? We got interns. We could have all taken turns watching them. That would have been a blast! We would have had a ball in the air today.
That would have been so much fun. I can't drive into work. I don't have any money. I pay $300 for a you bus. You got the bus, right? They don't. You bring kids on? No, Ron. It gets two right babies. Free. I have to, like, well, I, 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 I wouldn't, honestly, I wouldn't even know how to go about doing that. But you do know how to hand them over to a uh, stranger. Well, I can carry them in my arms. And just and go get rid of them. Here, like get rid of your problems. Bowling balls. No, not get rid of them. I remember one time. This was a responsible move I had this on my fucking part. junk car and the fucking, uh, it broke down on the side of the road. And I just uh, got out my toolbox and took off the plates. <laughs> and I, <laughs> Good feel, thinking. I feel like that's what Dave has done. <laughs> He's taken off the plates. No idea what you're no. telling me, Dave. You're pointing... In the house. Why don't you work into Fez's thing so he can pass me a note that'll make a little bit of sense. Uh, we have a guest coming in, Fezzy. It is the uh, Hall of Famer, Mr. Warren Moon. in studio with us. The brand new book is called Never Give Up on Your Dream, My Journey. It's available in stores everywhere now and also on Amazon.com. Congratulations on the book. Very, very cool. Thank you very much. I'm really proud of it and uh, hopefully you know, everyone will enjoy it that reads it. Well, it was very interesting for me, a guy who's watched your you know entire career. It seemed like, from my point of view, that things ran a lot smoother <laughs> than they did <laughs> from your point of view. Well, that's that's kind of the, the the way I wanted things to look. You know, as, uh -huh. as a quarterback, you always want to be the uh, the calming influence that's mm -hmm. around your football team. You want to be the the leader in your family. You want everybody to think that everything is okay. And and sometimes men do that. They um, they want to put on this stoic uh, presence to everyone that everything is all right, but they're internalizing a lot of things that they're dealing with. And that's what I kind of did throughout my career, just in order to uh, to survive, to to deal with all the different ups and downs that I had to go through to play that position. So uh, now I'm finally to a point in my life where I can reflect on all these things, think about my career, um, really deal with some of the things that I, I buried inside of me, and uh, it's, it's, a, it's a much freer feeling for me right now at this point in my life. So uh, that whole time that you gave up the appearance of being this like really cool customer, the field general, this stuff was bothering you or you were just holding it back? I was just... From what my therapist said, compartmentalizing it, okay. you know, putting it in different places, and not not thinking about it, not dealing with it, and uh, you can only you can only store so many things in your body. So uh, I got to a point later in my career where I felt like I needed uh, to talk to somebody about all these things, and with the help of my mom and and also my uh, my godmom, they they convinced me to to maybe talk to somebody and have some therapy and. and 
get another guy that I could talk to that I could uh, have confidentiality with and express some of the things that I feel. And I started doing that and it was such a freeing feeling for me. And I think that's one of the reasons I had such great success later in my career is because uh, I was going through this process and, and letting all this stuff out and I was just feeling so much better about myself and felt like if I would have done this earlier in my career and not played with all this crap that I had inside of me and all these burdens that I felt like I had to, to bear, uh, I might have been a much better player. Well, it's it's kind of interesting because, like I said, you were always cool, uh, field general, always ran things, mobile, great arm, and yet, even from an early age, they wanted to talk you out of being a quarterback. Yeah, and it's you know it started very early, like you said, in high school. Um, they were trying to change my position. My my sophomore coach and the varsity coach saw my ability, and he wanted to make me the varsity starting quarterback. So as a junior, I, that's when I started uh, in high school. But uh, it, it happened all along the way. In college, uh, when I was being recruited out of high school, I was an all-city player, a pretty good p- quarterback coming out of high school. The, the big colleges would not recruit me as a quarterback. They wanted to change my position, or the schools that ran the option or something like that wanted me to run the option. I was a thrower. I've always been a thrower. Uh, I can still throw the football today at 52 years old. It's just a natural thing that I have, and um, that's what I wanted to do, and I wasn't going to tell anybody that I couldn't. Yeah, and a lot of this had to do with race at the time that uh, that there was a school of thought that uh, blacks did not make quarter. Yeah, I think it was a race and stereotypes, you know, stigmas that you know African Americans couldn't lead. You couldn't say it was all race because in the NFL, in college, or wherever, there were plenty of African Americans playing. They just yeah. weren't playing quarterback. Right. So the quarterback position was one that was judged a little bit differently, and because of what they thought about us as far as being able to lead, being able to think, being able to be the face of a franchise. Uh, that's where we, we weren't put at that position. So um, I was uh, there to prove them wrong, and uh, I use it as a motivator to help make me better. But, you know, kind of the interesting thing is at the time, uh, there were probably even uh, articles about why isn't there black quarterbacks in, in the NFL, but there really wasn't in college and even in high school and you could go to Pop Warner, right. and they started going, well, you're fast, you should be a exactly. wide receiver. Exactly. Sometimes you're penalized by your athletic ability when you're an African-American, and they want to put you somewhere where they can utilize that that athletic ability. So in my case, I thought I was a good athlete, but I wasn't a great enough athlete to make the change to go to a defensive back or wide receiver and play either major college football or professional football. I was a quarterback that was a good athlete. Yeah, and you also had the quarterback mentality. You didn't want to give that up. No question about it. I always felt like I had good leadership skills. Uh, I was a hard worker. Uh, I was a guy that other guys would follow. And, and those are some of the intangibles that uh, it takes to be a quarterback. And, and when you played in... Uh in college, the uh, the pressure was pretty intense. It was, and uh, you know, I I finally got recruited by Don James to go to the University of Washington, which uh, which was a program that was you know on a rebuilding cycle, and uh, we were two and nine the the year before I got there, and and uh, we had to re- we had to build a program, and in those early days, it was tough. I mean, people mm-hmm. were were giving it to me. You know, they were booing me every time I left the sideline to go onto the field. You know, it, before I even ran a play, I was being booed and. And the things that they were saying from the side, from the uh, the stands, and that were uh, even worse. So yeah. um, I knew a lot of that was mo- racially, racially motivated because of the things that were being said, because of friends of mine sitting up there dealing with a lot of that. Some of them getting into arguments with people, some of them almost getting into fights with people, and and so I knew where it was coming from. And it was a tough time for an 18 year old being away yeah. from home, having to deal with that. But you know, I dealt with it, and and I survived it, and. 
ended up uh, winning a Rose Bowl championship by the end of it. You know, it's a really intense amount of pressure, too, uh, in, in a program like that, because the only thing that isn't professional about it is that the players aren't getting paid. Exactly. But it's still a corporate atmosphere. Uh, you know, I just uh, saw the other day about how much money coaches are being paid. So it's an amazing amount of money on the line. The kids aren't getting it, but you're taking more than a man's amount of pressure. Yeah, it, it, college football is big time. Like you said, it's a multi-million dollar business. Um, a lot of times the football program is, is uh, supporting the whole um, sports program of the mm-hmm. university uh, as far as the, the revenue that it brings in. So there's a lot riding on it, and they, they want to be successful, and a big-time program like Washington wants to be that way as well. You know, things have really changed a lot up there since those days, but – um, those things did happen, and uh, I think I'm a better person for it. I think a lot of people learned a lot about having patience with young guys and, and a lot about uh, how they treat different people from that experience. So I've had people since come up and apologize to me. I've had some grown men come up to me actually in tears saying I was one of those guys booing you and, and calling you names. So uh, you know that you did make some changes just by keeping your mouth closed, showing that stoic uh, that stoic personality like it didn't bother you and just kept moving forward. Uh, does it does uh, once that happens to you though, particularly when it gets personal and it's racial, once you turn the program around and they're cheering, does this make you happy or is there still a little bit of anger when you hear those cheers and knowing these are the same people? There's a huge sense of satisfaction. Yeah, uh, that that you've been able to quiet those people down. I remember against USC, a huge game my senior year. We had to win that one in order to to get to the Rose Bowl, and and I ran a, about a 71 yard run. To, we were trying to to uh, run out the clock late in the ball game, and and I ended up breaking a 71 yard run for a touchdown to break the game open. And everybody's chanting my name as I get into the end zone. And at that particular moment, I just wanted to, you know, flip everybody the bird, right. you know. And, but I knew in my mind I, I couldn't do that because everybody wasn't up there booing me. And, and and would that be the classy thing to do at this particular moment? No. But it would it be satisfying? Probably yes. So, but I decided not to do it. And uh, it was probably the best thing I, I could have done because, you know, um, that's just not the way I, I was I was raised and brought up. I was always raised to be classy and uh, carry myself with high character. So, uh, but you do have those uh, those moments sure. in your mind that you want to do those things to people, especially when you prove them wrong. And then here you are, you win the Rose Bowl, uh, which it, even then was a bigger game than it is now in terms of you know that was still yeah, that was the, the Rose granddaddy Bowl. of them yeah. all. Yeah, that was the, that was the one nobody missed on TV. They didn't draft you into the NFL. No, they uh, they wanted to change my position. Yeah, everybody was telling me defensive back, wide receiver. It's like there's no way I can play that position in the NFL. I've never played it before. I'm not that great an athlete. Um, so that's when the Canadian Football League opportunity came about to play quarterback, and I felt like, well, if one door closes here in the NFL, then I'll go to this door that does open. Even though the NFL was my dream, and that's basically what the title of the book is about, you know, never give up on your dream. Okay, I had to take another route to get to the NFL, but I still was going to keep my my eyes on on uh, the goal that I set for myself, was which was to play quarterback in the National Football League. Now, I didn't know exactly when it was going to happen, but I still had confidence that it could happen down the road. What was your time in Canada like? Loved it. I yeah. mean, it was just, it was so positive. It was a different experience when I first went up there because I didn't know anybody except for the guys on the team that I, I started to know as, as, um, as, you know, we played together. Um, but such a great group of guys, a veteran football team. We were, we were winning. We won five straight championships. 
Uh, my first son was born in Canada, so a lot of great memories about being up there. And and then the, the most refreshing thing was I was just being judged as a player. If I played well, I was cheered. If I didn't play well, I was booed. And and that didn't happen very much because I played pretty well up there most of the time. But I never heard any of the racial stuff that I dealt with in the United States or anything like that. So it was a very, very refreshing environment to be in. And uh, did that surprise you? Suddenly now it's a different environment. Uh, did that change the way that you looked at whether you even wanted to play in the NFL? I, I really did. I, I really thought that I would maybe spend the rest of my career up there and... Uh, and just just make a career out of it in Canada. But I had so much success so quickly that it wasn't a challenge to me anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we won so much. I did everything individually that I wanted to do. And in the back of my mind, I'm looking at NFL games on television going, you know, I, I should be out there playing right. with these guys. I can do what this guy is doing. So I decided it was time to go back to the NFL and see exactly how good I was and still keep my eyes on that dream of mine, which was to play in the National Football League. So no matter what happened, there, there was still an itch that had to be scratched. No question about it. Yeah. No question about it. I mean, as a young kid in my front yard, I used to emulate – all different NFL players, and I wanted to be one one day, and and uh, that's what, what what my goal was and my journey was. Well, then, also the interesting thing is that you were such a dominating presence up there that it did kind of keep you in the U.S. sports pages. The it yeah, it did. Um, we, I remember when they went on strike, I think it was in 83, uh, they didn't have games on television, NFL games, mm -hmm. so they put a couple of our games on on NBC, and I think people got a chance to see me play. I had some pretty big games in those games, and uh, people were starting to say, who's this guy, Moon, up there uh, north of the border, you know, and, and started to take notice. So I started to get a lot more uh, interest from NFL teams, and they started sending scouts all the time to see me play, and the rest is history. Uh, at the time that you came back in, you're kind of, I guess it would be considered a free agent. You're not locked in, so you could have went anywhere. Uh, why Houston? Well, I picked Houston mainly because Hugh Campbell, who was my Canadian League coach, mm -hmm. was hired as the as the head coach at at Houston, and um, I wanted to go there because he would know me as well as anybody as far as making the transition and all of that. I knew it was going to be tough there as well because they were a two and fourteen team, which wasn't very talented, and we were going to be rebuilding. Um, also, um, they they offered me the best contract financially, and uh, going to a place where I had a chance to help build something was was uh, appealing to me, just like going into college. So those were the three reasons why I went to Houston. Even though Seattle was probably my my first choice, uh, because I went to school there, I was very popular in that area. But uh, I felt like they had a good football team already. Really didn't need my services as much as Houston did. You had to adapt to a new system, which is always going to be tough. And you've actually been played for, I think, five different teams. Yeah. So that's always, is it like learning a new language by the time you come into it? Or is there enough similarities there? It, it definitely is learning a new language, yeah. literally. I mean, when you go into a new playbook, the terminology is what changes. <laughs> the route combinations and all those things pretty much stay the same, but the, the terminology of how you get those things expressed to your players is what changes. So you have to you know, catch up to speed on all of that as quickly as you possibly can and, and make, it, uh, you know, make it like it's something you've been talking your whole life as quickly as you can. It's really funny because you know who isn't a fan of pro football, but I think very few people watching – really understand what a complicated game that it is. It really is, and I, I think if people could see what one of our playbooks look like, how mm -hmm. thick they are, they look like a phone book or some even thicker than a phone book, and and with all these different terminologies with code words and different things, it, it's amazing how uh, guys are able to digest all that stuff. And the guys that don't, and you see guys going to training camp who, who go there without the, the sense of urgency and the sense of focus, 
guys that are not getting their rest at night, guys who are not studying at night, those are the first guys to get cut because they're in meetings, they're falling asleep because they're not getting their rest, they're not, they're not, they're making mental errors on the field. Those are the guys that go. So um, you got the football mental part smart. of it has yeah. a lot to do with it. It's got to be football smarts. Well, you know the other interesting thing, and I think it's what confuses fans is a lot of times when you watch uh, on television, everything seems to open up a little more. But I've been on the on the sidelines. I can't say shit. I I had no. All I saw was bodies exploding. I'm the same way. It's hard for me to watch a game on the sideline and really know what's going on. I'd love being like people talk about sitting on courtside seats in basketball. Yeah. I'd rather be eight or nine rows up so I could see everything kind of happen. And uh, the the only thing I say to people who have a don't have an understanding about how violent and how fast the NFL game is, go down on the sideline and watch the game from the sideline. You see those collisions. That That is something that still amazes me, and I played the game 23 years. After I got away from it for a year and I wasn't playing anymore, watching a game on the sideline, I was, I was like, what was I thinking about yeah, it, all those years with all these collisions going on out there? But uh, that that's the way the game is played, and it keeps getting faster and faster. When you look at some of the young guys now, do you really wish that uh, you could get them to understand the, the big picture? I mean, it's. I mean, the, your whole book is reflecting a lot of things that you glad you did, a lot of things that you wish you have changed. Right. No question about it. You wish you could get them to uh, to just listen to what you have to say as a as a former player who's gone through all those battles and all those different things that they're probably going to deal with. And the NFL tries to do a good job, say with the rookie symposium, they bring in players to talk about their experiences, to try and get these players to understand what it's going to be like, what to stay away from, all the different precautions. But for some reason, whether it's their their little immediate circle around them or whatever it might be, they think they have yeah. all the answers. And Another thing, which is a good thing, but it's also a negative thing, they're given so much so quickly when they come into the league. A lot of these guys are just given astronomical amounts of money before they've even played a game. So there's not a whole lot out there for them to have to worry about uh, as far as the future is concerned. So um, I, I don't know. I don't know how do you how you rectify that. I really don't. Well, it's a really good point because, yeah, it's a, it's a ton of money. And you still haven't shaken off the old neighborhood friends. Exactly, and and you're you're guilty sometimes by your associations, and those associations yeah. can get you in a lot of trouble because a lot of those guys aren't on the same page as you sure. are as far as what they want to do in their life, and all of a sudden you don't want to you don't want to ditch them because you don't want to feel like you're yeah. you're ditching them at a time when you get uh, when you get the big big money. Uh, so it, it's a it's a loyalty thing that you feel like you need to hang on to, but some of these guys can drag you down. Well, it's like the TV show Entourage. It's that is always shown as a positive, but there's three guys not working, <laughs> not working, not doing anything. <laughs> yeah, they're actually living off of him, right? Yeah, that, and, he's and the, the one paying them, and it's actually stopping their life as well. I no mean, they're they're not growing it. as as men. Uh, Michael Vick coming back in. Uh, the, the pressure on him is going to be astronomical, I'm sure, and whatever team picks him up. Yeah, the pressure on the team that picks him up is even going to be um, worse, especially those first few weeks or so, because, you know, PETA and all the different people are going to be yeah. out there protesting, and uh, they're going to make their statement. But, you know, I think when all the dust settles, if this guy has done what he needs to do as far as taking care of himself, showing remorse for what he did, making all the right steps once he goes forward, he's still one of the most exciting football players that we've ever seen. And and I think his best years are still ahead of him. He's only like 28, 29 years old, 
as a quarterback, you don't really start to come into your own till about that age. So I think he's got a lot left to show to this game, and hopefully he gets the opportunity to do it if he does all the things right. So you're going to be rooting for him to turn his life around? I, I really am. I yeah. root for any, anybody to turn their life around. You know, there's some people or a lot of people that make mistakes all the time. Now, if you continue to make the same things over and over and over again, or if you're just a bad guy and you're always in trouble, I don't have a lot of pity for you. But uh, for a guy like Michael Vick, who I've met many, many times, I don't think he's a bad guy. He just got involved in some bad things as far as that hobby that he had. Um, he's learned from that, I'm sure. Going to prison for two years will teach you one or two things. Either you're going to continue to keep doing what you're doing, or you're going to try and change your life and move forward. Hopefully he'll change his life and move forward. I guess it's going to be tough for all these guys to uh, turn it off and turn it off. I mean, it's such a, a violent game, and then you ask them to just go home and be a normal person. Well, a lot of it's environmental, too. I, I mean, I yeah. remember in my in my neighborhood where I grew up, guys fought their dogs all the time. I don't think it became a huge dog-fighting ring like this was from state to state or whatever it might have been, but guys would fight dogs all the time. Or you look at cockfighting, how big it is mm -hmm. in different places. Um, some people just have some sick, sick hobbies. Uh, Warren Moon, the uh, book is out now. Never give up on your dream, my journey. A uh, pleasure to have you in here today, sir. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. And I hope everybody that buys the book enjoys the read. All right. Warren Moon, thanks so much. We'll be right back. Run a fest show. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. You think I'm fucking with you? I am not fucking with you. A, B, C. A, always B, B, C. Closing. Always be closing. Always be closing. We're on a Fez show. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Uh, during the break there, Fezzy and I got into... Uh, Instead of talking about Warren Moon and football. By the way, were you a fan of his fest? Yes, I was. Very much. I wish, you know what? I wish he still had the mustache, too. I always thought that was a great look on him. Oh, I forgot about preferences. Don't weird me out. Uh, but yeah, his, uh, I don't know how people put up with the racial stuff, particularly like when you're in college. I guess white guys, we don't know how to deal with it. But every time you don't, uh, fucking, Complete of past people got to get fucking personal with you. I think I'd fucking lose it. I'd be one of those guys <laughs> who jumps into a fucking ring, who just starts to run up into the stands. Would you be able to handle it, Dave? No. No, because I get... Look at me. I get despondent when people call me fire crotch. That's all they would have to say. Right. And that's it. If they a physical fault, if they call me stupid or retarded and shit like that, I can always handle that stuff. But, the fire you know, crotch hurts the, me. You, you came to the. You're supposed to be a fan of the team. What are you doing? Fucking calling me names. Root for your fucking team. People love doing that now. It's like and the Yankee fans who boo a Rod on an out. It's like it's baseball. You're gonna you're make gonna make fucking, fucking four hundred outs. Yeah. You jerk off. Don't boo the guy who fucking has... Who won MVP last year for you? Booing is one thing. Personalizing but is they, another... They see, I, I even see Beckham in the U.S. can't handle it. Right, he can't. Right, yeah. He's and out. I mean, he's supposedly the fucking um, soccer fans over there are way worse. But they bring up his fucking wife and his kids. He almost got into a fight with a fan um, about a week and a half ago. Who was just basically chastising, chastising him, saying, "Go back to Real Madrid," 
and he just took off his shirt and was like, come down here, I'll fight you. Yeah, but they were also yelling stuff about his kids and his wife. Yeah. And about his wife not eating enough. Hey, you're on the Ronnie Fez Show. Hey, Ronnie. Once again, another great interview. I don't want to do this every day, but I, I got a question it. for you, it's though. Very, it's very, yeah, go ahead. Every time that uh, you do an interview and someone comes in with a book, you don't actually read every book, do you? Yeah. Wow. I, I know reading books sounds like really frightening <laughs> to some people. I know that seems like a lot of work. But if a person's coming in, I, I definitely want to hear their album or read their book or whatever. And normally if it's, you know, I mean, this was just a typical sports book, but I learned more about the guy's life than I ever did as, as you know, a casual fan. But uh, when I was a kid, uh, every book report got done on a sports book. <laughs> Uh, I am third, Gail Sayers' book. Um, <laughs> did you read I am third? Yeah, Dave? yeah, yeah. Every kid does. Yeah, it's the best. Every kid has to... Did you cry during the Brian Piccolo part? Of course, parts? of course. I was fucking openly sobbing during the Brian Piccolo chapter. And we also had to read Courage by the Mick. Oh, yeah, the Mick's book. Uh, but then when you got, like, Ball Four and shit that like that... That was, like, the best of yeah, all that time. Was, that, that was, was porn. best. Yeah. Um, you couldn't believe the shit that Jim Bout was saying. That's why he was pretty much. He's still kind of not liked by baseball yeah, I players, mean, he, right? Re recently, he's come back to a few Yankees old timers games, but even then, he got mixed reviews. They're still mad after all With, these years. And the funny thing is, mixed reviews from the fans. Like, wh wh why would the you fans? Read it. Yeah, but I mean, you're not the ones being outed. Yeah. It was the ball players with the drugs and shit that were being outed. So the fans should have a hard time for him. Now, Fez, uh, then after Warren Moon uh, walked out of here, you uh, were giving me some of your opinions on breakfast foods. Yes. Uh, Dave, I make Dave feed you every day. What you feed him today, Dave? He got a grilled cheese today. See, I don't understand why for breakfast he won't eat a breakfast food. That's insane to me. To me, grilled... Have some eggs or pancakes or something. To me, grilled cheese should be on the breakfast menu. But if you put an egg in there, you'd have your protein, and you'd be done. And then you're having an egg and cheese sandwich. What's your problem with an egg? I don't like an egg. An egg grosses me out. It gnarls me. Scramble it. It's still, still, it's still too spongy and squishy. I don't like it, but there's nothing wrong... Um, grilled cheese, you have toast for breakfast... And you have cheese like a cheese omelet, so yeah. so it's basically a breakfast food. You've got two breakfast elements there: toast and cheese. Well, we've talked about this before. It's okay to have a donut for breakfast, but if you have a piece of cake, you're a fucking maniac. You can have like toast and jam, but you can't have a piece of pie. <laughs> I right. mean, we're kind of strange when it comes to breakfast food. In the same way of why can't you have? I don't know why McDonald's doesn't wake up and serve their fucking breakfast menu all the time. I think Jack in the Box has finally picked mm. up on this. But you're insane. Some people wake up later. They don't want to have a hamburger first thing in the morning. One thing that should definitely be moved to a breakfast menu item is a bacon and cheese stuffed baked potato. <laughs> Now the you mean, home fries are your baked uh, are your you have uh, potatoes for a certain meal, uh, home fries in the morning, right? French fries are your afternoon meal. You you have a French fry with a sandwich, and then you have uh, baked potato and mashed potato as dinner. You can't just have baked potato three times a day. 
It's still having potato. It's really no different from home fries. And you're getting your bacon, too. Getting your is, bacon. As if you need a daily amount of bacon. That's a huge breakfast player right there. You're and getting again, ba- cheese. You're getting bacon bits. You're not getting bacon. Well, I mean, still. But in your case, yes. You should eat whatever, you know, you have to. to have a, But I'd rather see you get a little protein. Your brain works better when you're on protein. Well, uh, for the show. Well, I thought the cheese was protein. I thought dairy products were protein. I don't know. Maybe not as much or as good. I don't. I'm not sure either. Why don't you just get up and get a steak? Oh. Uh, Mike, Mike, in uh, um, PA. How are you, buddy? Hey, uh, up here in the north, you know, if you eat fried chicken in the morning, you're a maniac. But in the south, it's a breakfast food. Uh, I uh, fried chicken in the morning. A mother and child reunion. Maybe not. Here's uh, Jason in South Dakota. Hey, good morning, guys. Wanted to get your opinion on having soda for breakfast. I get kind of weirded out when I see somebody walk a, have a liter of Mountain Dew at like 7 o'clock in the morning. Well, a liter of Mountain Dew is bad no matter what time. <laughs> um, soda for breakfast is something now you can do in a diner, but you don't do it home. You look like a, a lunatic. But it, it, here's another interesting thing with breakfast beverages, right? Uh, you get orange juice. Everybody's oh, orange juice. Have an orange juice. You never have an orange juice with dinner. If you said, I'll have a steak, a uh, baked potato, and an orange juice. <laughs> Everybody's like nuts. Now, pour some vodka or tequila in it, and then you're fine. Okay, you're having a cocktail. <laughs> but you can't just have straight orange juice. But this has always got to me. Orange juice can make it. Apple juice uh, is acceptable. But they've never come up with a watermelon juice. Would you have guessed, if you just sat around and ate those fucking fruits, that a watermelon wouldn't make it, but fucking lemon would make it? <laughs> you would think watermelonade long before lemonade. <laughs> lemonade, the lemon has stunned the world by being able to jump over all those other fruits and make the lemonade fucking work. With the watermelon, too, it's... It, water is in the title. It's one of the juicier fruits. You would think There's you would no get some juice. There's no to it, though. There's no uh, texture to it. It's very, very light. The juice, like even if you just like poured it out into a glass uh-huh. and you drank it, it doesn't um, get you much more than water. It's almost like it's uh, a flavored water, where with the apple juice and orange juice, you're getting a strong mm. beverage. You're getting... Some thick taste there. Uh, yeah, good taste. What about like cherry juice? Cherry juice, they should do. They don't do it though, right? Cherry lifesavers no. are the best. Everyone loves cherry. Cherry is pretty much the grayest candy of all time. Why wouldn't you have a cherry juice? You have to actually go get some sort of combo thing, like a cran cherry. You're right. Cherry doesn't stand alone. Maybe it's too powerful. Maybe it's too powerful to stand alone. And if anything, you'd have to do it like a shot, like real fast. <laughs> like, just give me a little jigger. Of um, no, I'm not heckling you. I have respect you as a quarterback. Um, you're getting uh, just this little shot of cherry juice, and you got to hit it hard and fast. I do it. I take a couple cherry shots. Mm. Uh, Jacob, you're on the Run Fest show. Jacob yeah, one eighty nine. Yeah, two things, guys. We uh, here in Texas, Chick Fil A makes a killing off of chicken for breakfast, and two, I love Dr Pepper for breakfast. Well, what's not to say? First of all, anybody who goes to Chick-fil-A is a lunatic. Now, let's move on from there.
And I'm even talking about those waffle fly fries. Um, if you go to Whole Foods, uh, you can do uh, any of these juices, I'm told. But to me, I know of a good. it's a good diner if it says breakfast 24 hours. If it doesn't, I feel like I'm in a shithole <laughs> in a place that uh, that should be set on fire. Uh, Mike in New York. Mike, go once, twice. Oh, hey, Ron. Yeah. I was going to say, we had this fresh watermelon juice down in Dominican Republic. To this day, my wife and I still talk about how awesome it was. Well, very good point. I know they also have mango juice down there. Mm-hmm. The mango, mm. this is going to shock you, world's number one fruit. Yeah. More people eat mango every day than anything else. It does shock me. It's like soccer, where we don't realize how big it is outside of us. I would thought apple. Uh, a friend... Apple fucking trails orange juice in this country. Okay. Not even close. Matter of fact, you know where you drink apple juice? Where? Hospital. <laughs> a hospital and a plane, you yeah. get apple juice. I don't know what the fuck <laughs> it is about a plane. Would you like an apple juice? <laughs> that, and here's another fucking thing on a plane. It's the only place you'll see people drinking Bloody Mary. <laughs> you don't see Bloody Mary anywhere until you're fucking mile in the air. <laughs> Or an old woman, yeah. It's very, oh, Beanie. Just most old women from my experience. Um, here is uh, Mike in Miami. Mike. Hey, Ron Perez, how are you today? What are you saying, man? Hey, look, this uh, watermelon thing, that's, that's uh, it's a great juice. It's a great, nice, big juice. They have it all over the place down here in Miami, a little uh, juice uh, stores, and uh, and it's, a, it's amazing to have. Oh, I don't think it's I've almost had... like an orange juice. It's almost exactly like an orange juice. I don't think I've ever had a big watermelon juice, but I'd be willing to try. I've never had. I would try any of the melon juices. Some honeydew juice. You work on eating your daily breakfast. Uh, uh, what's the list of what his breakfast has been lately? Oh well, he's gotten a turkey sandwich. He's gotten ham and cheese, grilled cheese, tuna I, salad. You know what? I'm looking for a new band I can play on the radio. Maybe if there's a uh, new sound out there, I'd like to start playing them. I could put Guys With Ears together. Guys With Ears is the new sound for the Ron and Fez show? I could try see if to put them together, sure. Um, what about Clementine juice? Because Clementines are better than oranges. What's that band in Jersey that seems to be picking up steam right now? Guys With Ears. No. What is that band? Playing over rock in North Jersey. I'm hearing a lot about... Uh, Sparkle Pony? Speak Atlantic. Speak Atlantic. When are, yeah. When are you going to get me some of the uh, the new sounds from Speak Atlantic? Here? I don't know this band. Hicks, are you on top of this yet? I'm going to try to find out. Not yet, though. I want to see if you can't download something. I'm, I'm on looking it. into it. Okay. Bootleg it up. Um, here is uh, Rich in Strong Island. Rich. Yeah, hi. I, I'd rather have a cold slice of pizza, a cheeseburger, or anything else rather than eggs in the morning. It's really weird uh, to get up in the morning... If you started frying yourself a cheeseburger, they might take your kids away. <laughs> it's insane. I mean, could you imagine? I bet the, if, this, if the school said to your kids, what did you have for breakfast? And they said, oh, we had cheeseburger and fries. They might come and take them away like they were like crazy kids. But that'd be probably And you had a sausage sandwich. You couldn't get much fucking closer. And, and you're supposed to eat the most at breakfast. Yeah. So you probably, we should be reversing everything. Speak Atlantic. I want you to look into the band, oh, Dave. All right. I want you to stay on top of this. 
I'm really. It's speak time. Um, it's time to start breaking new music. Does that speak with two e's? No, they're not. You're thinking of the Oneaters. Um, here's Scott. Scott, you're my fuzz. Hey guys, I just wanted to tell you that uh, they do actually have cherry juice down here in Tennessee. It's the weirdest thing. I've seen it at Walmart, but the problem is, it's like it's really, really expensive. Like uh, half a liter for like eight bucks. It's well worth it. It must be from all the cherries they have to start squeezing to get it. Um, Frankie in Arizona. Hey, what's up, boys? What do you got? Hey, uh, what about pomegranate? Just coming over, out of nowhere, taking over the world. Pomegranate juice. Pomegranate juice, uh, Fezzi, it's on the rise. It's the what they're now calling the Speak Atlantic of juices. Yeah, it's the antioxidant. It's another juice, too, that really has to be cut with another juice. Like you'll get pomegranate blueberry or pomegranate uh, grape. So you're saying period juice? Something the girls have when they have the period? Mm -hmm. Oh. Thick. That's what it's there for. What's thick? Periods. <laughs> you're so fucking tired. Well, like, imagine if guys were bleeding out of their cocks. <laughs> I'll tell you this. We'd be taking off a fucking week every month. <laughs> there's no doubt. There's no fucking way. <laughs> I'd fucking come in here with something shoved up my cock. Yeah, my cock is bleeding. <laughs> I'm on the rag. If that fucking happened to me, that'd be the end of it. It'd be fucking three days of hard drinking. Hard drinking like I was Abe Lincoln. <laughs> How come um, when people... Would have... you want to walk around your, with your fucking price tag coming out of the end of your cock? No. I'd be going nuts. Disgusting. And then asking each other for their fucking... I guess instead of femmies, mm. they'd be like little mannies. Give me my manlies. <laughs> Ugh. They should develop a better product for that. Maybe like some sort of sack, rather than shoving like a cock up them themselves that absorbs blood. Oh, I forgot how little your dick was. <laughs> tell you, tell me, condoms <laughs> fall off in the shower. Um, but you think the condoms gonna fall? But you're gonna stay in the fucking pussy. Well, I was saying because the water, the, the it's gonna. Make you think you're gonna pull out once, leave the condom inside, go back in. And still fucking spray it down. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. You must gotta, uh, You must be able to fuck a Cheerio. <laughs> no, it's not true at all. I got a long one. Might be a little thin. Might be a little bit on the pretzel rod side. <laughs> pretzel. What, do you want? what do you want me to say? It's long. Don't delay like that. How come grapes, it's always the purple grapes, no matter what fucking candy, gum, juice, but green grapes are far superior... Why wouldn't they have a green grape juice? I think they do. Yeah, green they grape call, juice. They call it white Welch's white grape juice. They yeah. call it. I didn't know that. And it's but delicious. Is it because the fucking Welch's is like? I don't know. Once you're you're out of like a Kool Aid age, you also don't drink grape juice. You don't see a man sitting down having a grape juice. When I was a little kid, that was fantastic. I actually still like. But the, the great thing about grape juice, you pour a little bit into your Seven Up, you have a nice drink there. That's a great drink. Mm. It's a virgin spritzer. Colin in South Jersey. Oh, butters. Yeah, man, don't know if it's uh, widespread as it used to be, but down here, some of the best breakfast joints are taverns, man. Well, you might quite like getting your steak and eggs in a shot, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's always great getting food tips from Anaki. <laughs> Andy in Mississippi. Hey, Ronnie, um, cherry juice, you can get that uh, a lot of places down here. It's good for the gout. 
Cherry juice, because I know you get the gout every once in a while. Yeah, I had no idea. I'll, go, I'll immediately try cherry juice next time. What uh, What did that thing used to be in your wrist that used to build up? You don't get it anymore. That ganglion cyst, where it was uh, a, a form of carpal tunnel syndrome, and I would get it right on the corner of my wrist. The, the welt would kind of rise up as it filled up with cyst juice. And then I would have to have Ronnie hit it with a phone book in order to just flatten it out again. Because the, once it inflated w with fluid, the pain was unbelievable. I couldn't bend my thumb. Jesus. Now, I thought carpal tunnel syndrome was about vision. I'm serious. Yeah, because a lot of times I use the keyboard with my eyes. Why do you make him look like a mongoloid retard? <laughs> uh, here's a little tip. Uh, watermelon juice at Uncle Mo's on 19th Street between 5th and 6th. It's got some real texture to it. I never even heard of this fucking place, Uncle Mo's. Maybe they serve a flaming Mo. I remember that song before Steve Tyler fell. <laughs> <laughs> that might have been uh, the last great season of that <laughs> show. Uh, Kevin, Kevin, you're on my fez. Hey, man, how about a banana every morning for, for the potassium so you don't cramp up while you're working in the deep south heat down here? A peanut butter sandwich and a big glass of milk to go with it to hold jaw until lunch. Elvis, you have the best fucking concerts ever. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Let me ask you a question. Who do you think of throw football further, me or Warren Moon? Warren Moon. I think Ron would, based on his wet napkin ability. Thank you. And I just, I haven't seen Warren Moon in person, but he looked a little, he was, he's a handsome man. He he didn't look as big as I would have expected a quarterback. Well, that was one, that was part of his problem with not getting drafted right away. Okay. He's not a big guy. Because didn't you think Ron Darling, when he was in here, was a lot bigger yeah. than Warren Moon? Yeah. He's not a tall guy. He's like six. I mean, he's probably like six two or something like that. But now quarterbacks are expected to be six five. You have to be six five. I mean, you'd be surprised. E Eli's like fucking six four. I'm not surprised if I can have a TV set. <laughs> he doesn't. But the main thing is you got to be able to see over the lineman. Yeah, it has nothing else to do. And Fezio backed me up on this when we were on the fucking sidelines. You can't fucking tell what's happening on the field. It. I don't know why coaches are yelling and fucking <laughs> acting like, you know, something is like, the, I don't know where they, you're going to take the ball and spot it eight fucking feet away and a coach wouldn't be able to know. Right. It would be up for the players to yell it. <laughs> so coaches are just yelling on shit on hope more than anything else. Well, it's just weird because why wouldn't they draft people like as if they're centers in basketball? Like, why wouldn't they get like a Patrick Ewing or like even or like a Randy Johnson to play quarterback? They do that. What they do I'm now? About oh, the big, big, I know. Guys. I mean, what what they do is they they basically, and they'll do this with a defensive lineman. They'll fucking pick a guy who's like six eight and three forty over a guy who's had a great college career, yeah. but you know he's two fucking seventy five. Right. They would just rather go. We'll take the big guy and try to fucking mold him, and that's what happened to Moon. He just uh, they didn't think he was big enough, and then there was a time. Where they acted like black players yeah. just didn't have the on-field smarts to be a quarterback. Ridiculous. And that would even happen in high school. 
it's just amazing that they would have that thought. This is like 30 years after Jackie Robinson. You don't want to put a black guy as a quarterback? Yeah, but the, the quarterback position is different from, I, you know, it's different from everything else in sport. I don't think anybody gets the he won the game, he lost the game like a quarterback. Like a quarterback could win a game 10-7 to 7 mm -hmm. and the fucking home team uh, fans are happy. He loses a game 42-38 and they're bitching about him. Just him, not the whole team. Right. You know, like uh, other players take some heat, but nothing. They don't. No other player gets the praise and the blame as much as a quarterback. And we talked about this before. When a quarterback wins the fucking Super Bowl, he gets everything for it. It's all his. Roethlisberger didn't have two great statistical Super Bowls at all, and yet, you know, he's a two-time winner. Yeah. Certainly, certainly not the first one. He'll be the one going to Disney World. Did he get MVP in either one? Sec get, second one, he I thought he had a good, a very good game. He must, uh, but he wasn't MVP. It's not standing out like a great stat game. No, the first one he definitely did not have MVP. He did not have a good game. I remember that it was like something like eight for nineteen, or like it was like, wow, I can't believe the Steelers even won. But that second game, you know, that drive, you know, you make that final drive. That was an amazing drive. No, absolutely. I agree with you. But it, it, you really just can't go from the stats. And that's why I don't know if I even want to play in this fantasy football league. <laughs> I want to start a fantasy rock league. Oh. I'm just picking rock songs. <laughs> I'll take Flea. The Pal Talker? Chili Pepper. Uh, Will and Charlotte. Hey, buddies. Um, I just want to say, Fezzy, that's probably one of the best lines you've ever had, the eyes on the keyboard thing. Um, and, Dave, you are an absolute moron. Okay. I, I noticed this today. Fez is making is the comeback kid. Okay. As Dave has a bad time, he didn't sleep last night, gigantic problems at, at home, Fez's strength grows. But if Dave comes in here... And he's got new bits, or he's really involved in the conversation. Suddenly, Fez is shrinking. I don't know what kind of weird Siamese twins you guys are, <laughs> but one of you can't thrive, and the other survives. Well, I think what the problem is, Dave doesn't have the strength to try to uh, derail me today. Why should he ever? You're Fez Watley. How could he ever derail you? No, he tries to. Mm. I don't. I don't try, and I think I'm trying to make an effort not to try to de derail. That's a conscious in my head. Uh, so far today, you've tried with there's no such thing as a draft party. Oh, uh, carpal tunnel syndrome has to deal with the eyes, not the not the fingers or joints. You yeah, do. yeah, you you've you've really controlled yourself today. You've kept it in in rain. So you feel like he's like that constantly. Oh. He's like that all the time. And you feel There's like... Sensitivity, though. I mean, I, I actually was saying, I always thought carpal tunnel syndrome was about the eyes. You're and off your game today, my friend. I was basically trying to give Fez credit. He's dominating you today. I... And the reason why... I hope so. It's the Ron Fez show. You came in here and said uh, you left your babies with strangers. The thrill and excitement in this man to know that you have done something so antisocial... It was through the roof. I can give you one of those every day. The I, shock I, I, alone. I'm a Ron and Fez fan. 
I don't want to. If, if 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 I can expose one fucking bad thing I've done, I'll do it every day if it makes Fez happy. Um, Fez doesn't think it's you. Who, who does he think? Patient zero. Well, who is that? Eight six six run zero Fez. Eight six six run zero Fez. He's becoming obsessed, and you two have got to work this out. And by that, I don't mean you and Fez. Who? Um, it is the Ron and Fez show coming up a little. Oh, I don't want to want to bring up. Uh, there's a story uh, in the news today, uh, basically about kids' families suing little leagues. Kids' families suing little leagues. Uh, we'll be right back. Ron and Fez show. Whatever, whatever, I do what I want. Whatever, you ain't bad, you ain't nothing. I ditch class and go shoot heroin in the school bathroom. Whatever, I ran for Congress and won. Then I had sex with an intern, killed her, and hit her body. Whatever, I'll do what I want. Ron and Fez show. Uh, just was talking to Sam from the Sam and Dave show saying thank you for talking to Dave about his rec reckless sexual practices. He said he and his girlfriend tried to talk to Dave as Dave was bragging to them not long ago. Really? Yeah. I don't recall what I was bragging about. I mean, I said I like to do it dog. I can do it doggy style better than most people. And you're still finishing there. You're not doing any protection. And even after two kids, he said... You are still rolling the dice. Sometimes I haven't really fucked that much, you know. It's just it was the pretty much the Atlantic City trip. Hotel rooms always get me. Well, sometimes that's all it takes. And what makes you feel like you're such a connoisseur of doggy style? I just like no, like I just I think I can move my hips really well. I don't I don't go missionary that well because I don't really know my arms don't go up and down that is good. So why leave it in? And why not wear a condom? We were in the shower. How about all the other times? All the other times? Because Sam has told me this feels happens. Good. Feels quite good. Quite a bit. So you're going to start crying again when you get pregnant again in a couple weeks? I'm not going to get. She's not pregnant. She's not going but to when get you, pregnant. But you're doing everything you did before the last two times, correct? I don't know what information Sam has told you. We have had sexual intercourse basically twice. If you stay You on and Sam? No, my <laughs> wife. If you stay on this course, it's going to happen again. And we're going to hear what a living hell your life is again. And maybe the stranger next door won't take in three babies when you need, you know, a sitter. I'm, I'm sending in the National Guard if this is happening again. I know I'm awful for bringing it up, you know. And apparently Sam can talk to you about it, but I can't. I have no so idea I just what Sam was that. talking about. I, 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 I don't even know what he was talking about. All right, here's the story, Fez. Twelve-year-old um, kid thinks it would be cool to break out the pop-up slide, tore up his knee in the process. The family sues. This has been happening uh, time and time again. Uh, and also a Little League coach got sued... For uh, waving the windmill and sending the kid home for a collision at the plate, <laughs> the uh, coach gets sued. I don't get it. I don't understand 
we're not going to be able to do anything anymore without the lawsuits. But the coaches are the adults there. They have to be the responsible ones. Do you know how tough it is to get fucking coaches now? I coach Little League on one of those, if one of you dads doesn't stand up, we, this, we won't have an extra team. That it's really hard to get people to coach. Mm -hmm. And even though you are called coach and being thought of as the responsible one, you're just a guy who should be in the stands but has moved up to be a nice guy and keep the kids playing. Yeah, but still the kids have to be, if that's the person they're choosing, it's either, you know, be able to protect the kids somewhat or don't do it. Right. That's what I'm trying to say. We are going to get to the point. If, if a father thinks I am going to, you know, get sued if I coach, uh -huh. he's not going to do it. And we're going to start and lose Little League. Because most Little League fucking coaches don't consider it a career job. They're just out there for the kids. And as far as sliding in the second, it can go wrong. Like any kid sliding in the backyard can go wrong. There is no way to 100% protect yourself from a slide. Well, then they should probably not let little kids slide if they don't know how to do it or it's not, you know, taught right. You know, if, it's, if there's a problem with sliding, well, you then don't let the little kids do it. You slide in baseball. That's one of the things that you do. But if all of us were sitting around and we said, let's slide 500 times, and the four of us did it, at some point somebody's going to fucking twist an ankle or a knee. You're going to occasionally get hurt in life. I don't know why this is shocking. I mean, don't did you you know when you play uh, football like the Pony Lake football, kids get hurt. That's part of it, especially in sports. Sports are physical. Anything that's physical, you're if going if you to play get, basketball, you can jam pains. a finger. Anything, anything. you can fall tennis, backwards and hit your head. Tennis elbow. There's no, you know, it doesn't seem like it's physical, but there's a tennis elbow. But I'm, this kid, he sounds like he's ruined for the rest of his life with everything he tore up here. He's Ooh. not ruined. His parents said said that. He he had a bad slide. I don't know why he needed to even try a pop-up slide. That seemed like a little bit of a showboat type deal. And uh, he got what he deserved. <laughs> Who fucking needs a pop-up slide when you're 12? The but, I mean, it, you know, you're also... Uh, a play at the plate is going to happen. That is actually illegal... And just because the third base coach waved him in, the kid shouldn't have barreled into him. So, again, that's not the coach's fault either. What you, where is it illegal? In Little League, you can't smash into a In fact, you can't even do it in the league above that, Babe Ruth. Both leagues, you can't until you're in uh, varsity high school ball. is like the first time you're allowed to barrel into the catcher. It's insane. Then don't fucking sit across the plate. <laughs> right. If the guy goes across the plate... You got to get to the plate. Giving a lot of power to that catcher, Matt. Uh, in Arizona, you're on Ronnie Fez. Hey, Ronnie. Uh, you know when you sign up for a little league, and even we do, you know, softball. You got to sign uh, a waiver to uh, assume liability that you're not, you know, going to be if you get hurt on the field. The city's not responsible, and also the teams and whatever it may be. I uh, I sent the guy to go to second. He slid up, and uh, I had to basically hold his foot and friend and his uh, leg together as the ambulance came. That guy was out of work for three months. You know, he could have definitely come at me. Maybe, you know, he didn't. But the city definitely assumes all liability. 
or has you assume all liability and walk in. I think Little League's the same way. These people are just going too happy because I don't know. I, about let me tell you, it doesn't stop them from getting them. I don't give a shit what you sign. doesn't stop them from getting a, uh attorney suing and tying up everybody's life. Keith in D.C. Hey, guys. Uh, I coached my daughter's soccer team for a couple of years, and I grew up playing soccer. And boy, things have changed. Uh, my, they are not allowed to keep score for the first, you know, up until they're like 12 years old because it gives them all bad, you know, bad feelings if they lose. And also, they're not allowed to slide tackle or bump into each other or anything. Well, you're going to know what the score is. I don't give a shit whether it's the official scoreboard or not, but you're going to know how many goals have been scored. Well, and also, you see, there's some, in certain sports, there's some things that just don't get applied until the kids are older. I mean, it's like some of the little leagues, they don't pitch. To, uh, they have an adult pitch. They don't have a kid pitching until the kids are older. Yeah, but now they're not playing baseball. Now this is practice all the time. <laughs> you know, at a certain point, don't we want to compete and play the game? Play the game. And that's the fun part of it is to play against your peers. Yeah, not I ripped the head off the coach. <laughs> right. Who cares? Mr. Sullivan, I uh, went that, to the floor. You're not him. playing baseball. <laughs> I'm going to tell. I'm going to tell you the truth. You're not on a baseball team. You're not in a baseball league. <laughs> you're fucking practicing. Um, here is um, here's Andrew in New Jersey. Andrew. Hey boys, uh, I coach elementary school soccer, and we can't teach them how to head the ball because they're afraid they'll get uh, neck injuries. So they just—they're not allowed to head the ball at all. So you're not really teaching the sport. That's what uh, I'm saying. This is what bugs me about this. It's not really the game. You send your kid there to learn the game. They're not learning the game. Well, they're learning how to be safe. They're not learning the exact, uh, the complete adult version of the game. Yes. They're learning the kids' version of the game. Well, it's the, uh, when I played, it was the fucking game. You played the game. You have to teach them to play the game in every single capacity so that when they get older, they know what they're doing. You teach them at a young age. You don't all of a sudden say, okay, now you're 15, now you can do a uh, head-first slide. The kid will then fuck himself up really bad. Uh, here's Justin, you're in Hey, buddies, I just wanted to say we've gotten so soft in athletics. Way back when, when uh, in the NFL, when Jack Tatum paralyzed Daryl Stingley in that preseason game, the press interviewed Jack Tatum, and he said, hey, I don't know what to tell you. You don't want to get paralyzed. Don't fucking come over the middle on me. Can you imagine if that happened today? They'd have ran him out of the league. Uh, yeah, he would be run out of the league. And football is um, really has to watch out for a lot of these things. Here's uh, Justin. Justin, you're on Fez. Hey, uh, how you doing? I was uh, I was involved in a lawsuit one time at a summer camp, and uh, it was just something really, really, really stupid. But uh, the reason lawsuits like this happen so much is because, like in my case, especially if there's an insurance company, 95% of the cases don't even go to trial or anything. They just get settled, settled. Almost all of them. Yeah, so everybody but, thinks just to have anything, just bring it up, and uh, they'll get something out of it. Yeah, I mean, that's what it really comes down to. These people just want a couple thousand dollars. They don't want anything else. They want money for nothing. Well, if these little leagues are settling, if they're not in the wrong, you know, then they, they must be assuming some sort of responsibility if they're settling. That, well, you know, something went wrong with what happened with that kid. 
on their watch? That still doesn't make the law the intent of the lawsuit justified just because Lily gave in. The kid hurt himself sliding. A lot of yeah, that doesn't mean shit. A lot of things get settled so they don't have to go on longer. Or look, you can make this go away for fucking two thousand dollars, or you can pay your fucking lawyer another ten thousand and win. We we had that's, this, that's extortion. There was this kid who um, the pitcher said, "I'm going to hit you before the game." And he hit this kid in the mouth, and he totally fucked up his, all of his teeth. That kid didn't sue because he had also been talking smack to the pitcher before the game. So it, everyone understood what happened, and it, it, it was an unfortunate situation, but that's like sports. You have to breed that into people. That sports is about pain sometimes. And what are you going to do if somebody fucking um, plunks your best player? You got to go out and plunk theirs. Right. They hit your cleanup guy, you got to hit theirs. And that's totally fair. That's and, the fucking and, game. Even and, in Little League? Yeah, fuck in Little yes. League. You never got fucking thrown out or throw at anybody at Little League? Fuck yes. Uh, I was in the All-Star game. I had two doubles. This kid hit me in the head, my third at bat, and I pointed at him, and my jerk-off coach ba uh, sat me for the rest of the tournament because he was like, that's a, that's a showboat, and you know, what are you, some kind of tough guy? I'm like, he hit me on purpose. But but did you see that ESPN thing with Prince Fielder? Oh, where he went over to the other fucking <laughs> locker room? But you know what? He's a modern-day little leaguer. And so that's the perfect example. He doesn't understand fucking sportsmanship. What the fuck is he doing? He got The reason why he got hit was because Manny fucking Ramirez got hit. You know what was really uh, funny, too? Is they brought that back to Croc and which is just because what was Fielder still doing in the game when they knew he was going to get hit and they'd already had the game won? True. Take him the fuck out. Seventeen to four. You know uh, the point is no one thinks anymore. Right. Fucking here's Croc going like this. Hey, let's take the fucking uh, gun out of their hand. Let's take our best player out. That was it was totally ridiculous. But that's what what's going on. Guys don't even understand old school baseball anymore. They don't understand the rules. And, and I, I swear to God, I believe that it's starting on the Little League level. Where it's like, it's the guy who's like, why'd he hit me? Well, he hits you because you're two for two. And then what your pitcher should do is hit them. I can't understand where that should be part of a kid's game. That's baseball, Fess. Where a kid is, you're expecting a kid to heave a baseball at another kid and hit him with it. Yeah. What, what don't you understand about that? Because it's... Hitting what if, a kid with a baseball as hard as you can. You can't throw all that hard. <laughs> and what if he's sitting there and he's fucking got the inside of the plate on you? You got to brush him back. Yeah, but to intentionally hit somebody? If that, so that everybody else knows. Yeah, and if that guy gets hit, then what you do is your teammate You, you know them. what? You, you're confusing something. We're talking about kids. You're talking about eggshells. <laughs> no, a I'm, kid could get hit with a baseball. Yep. Right, but should they? Yes. If they're wearing a fucking helmet. Uh-huh. And now they have fat, uh, a lot of them have That's an embarrassment. Guards. I would never fucking the cages, have that. yeah. If anything, you're going to get hit in the thigh, the ass. And if you're stupid, you turn around and you take it in the back like an idiot because you don't know how to get out of the way. <laughs> but there is a it's thing. It's like teaching kids to throw rocks at each other. No. Well, you can if you're in a rock fight. The problem is we are losing sports etiquette. In this country, whether it's in baseball, whether it's in basketball, sports etiquette, certain fucking unwritten rules are going out the window. 
And that's a big problem. And you know what? That's a really funny thing. That's why you get a lot of this bullshit showboating. Absolutely. A guy fucking, um, you know, dancing around like he did something special, trying to show up the other pitcher or show up the defense after catching a ball. Big deal. You made a fucking touchdown. You want to do a dance now? They had to fucking take his knee out so he learns how to behave like a fucking well, adult. And they used to. That's yeah. what I'm saying about sports etiquette. And under in the old school time, and especially those the you know, the football players who simply get a first down trailing oh, by fourteen points. Whoa! <laughs> yeah, I'm shaking my shoulders. Yeah, baby. You're like, fuck you, idiot. Look at the scoreboard, jerk. What's wrong with you? And guys will still do that, you know? Sosa used to always do his little skip and bump his chest, even if the Cubs were down 8 nothing. if he hit a solo home run. Chris in Arizona. Yeah, hi, guys. Um, back in the, I think it was 91 or 92, uh, my dad had served on a jury. Basically, the girl was on a softball team. I think it was for her high school or something like that. And um, I think she was in the outfield. The girl hit the ball. It nailed her right in the side of the face. So everybody came in to see how she was doing, and she asked if she could still play. The coach said, fine. Well, when her parents found out, they wound up suing the school, the coach, the um, whatever, the uh, the region, you know, how they have, like, a regional high school. And after about a year going back and forth, uh, the township wound up just settling for half a million dollars on this girl's behalf because they said the coach was culpable in the fact that he let her play and should have, you know, stopped the game and all this shit. So I think that was probably one of the many precedents that and, got set. Here's what I love, though. In the meantime, where were the parents? Were they at the fucking game? No. One thing I learned from fucking coaching, when the kids are six, the parents come, the grandparents, the aunts and uncles, everybody shows up. Then every year it gets less and less and less until they're in high school and nobody fucking shows up except for their drug dealer and some girl that they got pregnant, but they won't talk to her anymore. And he goes like this to her finally, fuck you. I know that ain't mine. I got eight other guys that said they fucked you. And a couple little nerdy stat statisticians. Exactly. So the I love the fact of how much... Everybody is involved after the fucking fact. But that guy is the one who is on the field. I mean, he's the guy who's in charge of the kids that day. So for what? For that moment. So what? He's a fucking regular guy. He's not a fucking <laughs> judge. He's not a uh, a doctor. He's just a fucking guy who wears gym shorts too much. You act like this is some official thing that the government has set up. It is not. These are just people's dads. It's no different than if they were playing in the backyard and the dad walked out there with them. What are you guys doing? All right, you can shag some flies. I'll hit them. It's not that big a deal. You're trying to act like it's set up like it's something official. It's fucking dog shit. Uh, you're wearing the name of a sandwich shirt. On, uh, it's insane. Mark, you're in Florida. You're in Fez. Yeah, Fez has got it a little wrong. When when these when these cases settle, it's not an admission from the little league or the sports league that there was anything wrong. These decisions to sell are made by insurance companies, and they're based on their statistics, their cost risk analysis. Do they want a twelve a mangled twelve year old in front of a jury? And it has nothing to do with the merits of the case. It has to do on how much it costs 
the insurance company over a period of time to defend those kind of lawsuits. And if they can pay somebody off for less than that average cost, they pay them. It has nothing to do with the merits of the case. Here's Rich and Yonkers. Rich. Level of the show goes up every day and you've never reached the top. I can't believe it, Ron. The, my thinking is here, do you think that these rules with the youth, keeping them from playing the game the way it's played in the major leagues, has a more correlation why there's so many foreign players versus just pure athletic ability? Well, you come up with a really interesting idea because uh, most of the time now, let's say shortstops, you're looking at Dominicans. Right, mm-hmm. uh, they put out uh, uh, between uh, Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, a, a crazy amount of players. Crazy percent is playing. They don't have as uh, they're not as organized as we are with our kids. They don't have as good of uniforms. They don't have as good as equipment. The gloves, the fields aren't nice. You hear those kids are down there playing with a stick and a coconut mm. for years. But the fact of the matter is, they're doing it and doing it hard. Over and over and over until they become great at it. There, the, yeah, I mean, Mario R- Rivera used a milk cart, a milk box that he flattened out for his glove. Hmm. Uh, it, and the thing about it is they don't have parents intervening saying, don't do that. I think the great thing about Dominicans and Puerto Ricans is those parents know how to play fucking old school baseball. They'll be the ones to teach the kids slide hard to break up the double play. Uh, Dan, Dan in Philly, you're on run a fez. Yeah, uh, when it comes to little league, that's one thing. But if I'm a professional athlete and someone tries to hurt me on purpose and take money from my my pocket, I'm going to attack that pitcher if he throws at me. Uh, but <laughs> but you're going to have to do it on the field. You start to do it in the locker room. In the parking lot, you're going to have a fucking lawsuit. Yeah, well, the, the way Fielder acted was insane, and that's why, you know. He acted like he wanted somebody to hold him back. He did, too. Because basically, he was the first one there at the scene, and the security guard was like a Bronx Johnny type character. Right. He was like this little pudgy guy. He was like, no, you can't come in here. And then Fielder waited for his teammates to swarm in and, grab him. and push him. You can't have the name Prince. And be a fucking star's kid. I still call him Cecil. I just fuck him. As it's far it. as you're concerned, they're all Cecil? <laughs> I just like his dad better. Every one of them is Cecil? <laughs> all right, anyway, that's that fucking uh, story. Uh, we were bringing this up before. Uh, summer movies are uh, done this weekend. Is the last real summer blockbuster, and that's the G.I. Joe Um a runaround movie that they're not even showing the critics. Maybe. Even a guy like myself, who has always been mean to summer movies, Fez, uh-huh. this has got to be the worst summer movie year, even for summer movie fans. Even summer movie, popcorn movie fans, have got to de- be depressed with this one. I think I saw one summer movie this year. I saw Star Trek. This should have been your year of not watching movies. Yeah, why couldn't this have happened last year? Yeah. I've seen a lot more than you have this year. Mm-hmm. There's I just s- not that need to go. It's like... You, you don't, don't have fe- the need for speed. You don't feel like you're missing something by not seeing this. It seems like everybody agrees with you. I mean, uh, was Transformers the only giant hit 
No, no. Star Trek is was uh, regarded as a pretty goddamn big hit, and the Harry Potter was regarded. Oh yeah, as Harry very, Potter, very successful. Right, yeah, um, but I would say definitely those. Three. So all of them are franchise films. Yeah, you don't even have like, uh, and we don't have a new action star. No, uh, jumping out. I guess uh, what's the kid in the Transformer movies? Shia LaBeouf. I guess he's the new Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> He's Mr. Summer Movie. Well, I think our Mr. Summer Movie 2009 is Ryan Reynolds. Because... Who? Ryan Reynolds. Well, no. He was in the Wolverine movie, which... I thought that one was a disappointment. Well, I don't think it did as good as they... I mean, I think it was decent compared to everything over the summer. And then he also had the big romantic uh, comedy this summer. The proposal with Sandra Bullock. Well, that one didn't do well either. Actually, Wolverine made 180 million. Proposal made 150. 150? 150 million. I had yeah. no idea. I would never see a movie like that. So I think he's Mister Summer '09. Well, that doesn't even uh, go up to one Transformers though. Transformers mm-hmm. still bigger. And plus, I don't know if anyone goes to Ryan Reynolds movies. He wasn't the Wolverine, <laughs> and that was Sandra Bullock's movie. If anything, he's Mister Sidekick '09. <laughs> Not one of those is his movie. No, they're not his movies, but I mean, he's having the hell of a summer. I don't know if I'd even consider it that. Because <laughs> didn't um, uh, Sandra Bullock show off her old pussy or something? What did she tits. actually bear? I think she showed breasts. Tits. Just tits? tits. Yes. That's not enough. I think After Dan- all these years. Daniel Radcliffe is Mr. Summer, fucking Harry Potter, yeah. and, and he's gotten it for six years in a row. Yeah, there's no stopping that kid. I mean, that's six summers in a row. Let, let me uh, see Mr. Reeves, Mr. Chris Reeves, try to make a di- different movie, though. <laughs> it ain't going to fucking happen. <laughs> Doug in Jersey. Yo, Ron, what about The Hangover? Doesn't that count as a great summer movie? Well, um, it definitely was a big hit. I don't think I would even put it in as, you know... Great, but it was certainly a, a big surprise hit of the summer. They keep calling it the number one R-rated comedy of all time. So I don't know what even the competition is there, but I know that's how it keeps getting billed. It was it was big. I mean, that was at least the movie where your friend said, you got to go see it. Um, I can't think of another movie where anybody told me, you got to go see it all summer. Some people were saying Star Trek to me. Yeah, yeah, Star Trek. It that just happened so long ago. Yeah, it was like the first really, really big, you know, summer movie. Uh, Tim, Tim, you're on Ryan Fez. Hey, what's going on? Yeah, Ronald Reynolds had a, a bigger summer than you you think. He he was also in that movie Adventureland, but he also became the co-star in Scarlett Johansson's life too. Uh, eventually, that really takes his uh, money per screen down, though, Fezzi. Yeah, that's... You were doing really well. Yeah, but... Give me a little lodge there, would you? Maybe, you know, just some quantity there of doing three movies. You look tired. I didn't sleep a wink last night. I didn't bring it up. You really didn't sleep at all? I did not sleep at all. This is, like, my uh, two... Three nights in a row... Uh, nearly sleepless. What What is happening? I am in agony all night long. All right, I'm gonna tell me why I'm gonna I'm gonna check on the 
doctor's site I have. Okay. Um, I Last night was the worst. I'm getting chest pains all night long that aren't letting me sleep. They're not oh. happening during the day. It's like I eat something, I have dinner, like an hour and a half, two hours later, I'm just up all night. It's either my stomach or I feel it up into my chest. Sounds like somebody's got AIDS. That is... So I looked over here. What website did you go to? That's the Yellow Treats. It seems a little premature. All I said <laughs> was chest pains and stomach ache. Uh-oh. That's and, the AIDS flag. And the acid reflux last I night. I said flag. The acid reflux. You, are you eating too late? You got to eat earlier. I'm eating anywhere between 8 and 9 o'clock. I'm done by 9. What did you eat last night? Last night, um, I tried to have some pork chops because it was Wednesday. And I just didn't even finish. It was like all of a sudden everything was churning in me. Then I tried to go to sleep, and next thing you know, you get that acid that's going up your throat and out your nose. But you can't even breathe. I'm so sorry I brought this up, Grandma. It honestly reminds uh, me when you ask your grandmother anything. He tried applesauce. Pork chops and applesauce. Jerk. Joe, you did it. Uh, you did it the wrong way, didn't you? Hey, Ronnie, how you doing? I'm just so uh, worried somebody's smothering Dave's kids right now. Oh. Uh, listen, I'm holding out hope for District Nine this year. It looks awesome. I am going to go see the District Nine. Oh, I definitely am going to. That and Glorious Bastards. I can't wait. Solid. What? Yep. Was that a screening last night? You gonna give anything away or? I will next week, maybe. <laughs> I will say this. Uh, Hicks sent me to a screening. I said, well, give me my plus two. You know how I like, I like to roll. Okay. I'm a plus two guy. Uh, he tells me, oh, no, too busy. Can't do it. I go, where's Earl? Earl's not working here anymore because Earl used to plus two me for everything. Right. I get there last night. I am the only guy that doesn't have some kind of fucking sold... Uh, shoulder satchel all these fucking guys i guess they're from websites yeah. they carry around a fucking mailbag on their hip and they're putting that mailbag in the seats these are mail uh these are fucking guy it's like a messenger bag uh -huh. but it's a fucking giant purse for a man <laughs> uh and my name wasn't on the list so they go i'm like ron bennington serious radio they go not on the list i go well i'm in the fucking seat so let's start the movie and get this thing going. <laughs> Wasn't on the list. Oh, they dropped the ball. In that Let me ask you this. Were you a big fan of Kill Bill? Love, I love everything he's ever done. Period. Mm -hmm. And that includes four rooms. Why? If it's like Kill Bill, I'm fucking psyched. I'm not going to give anything away, okay. but I will say this. This is torture. Be psyched. <laughs> oh, yes! Be very really? psyched. Really? <laughs> Yeah. All right. Oh, God damn it. Oh, I want to see this so bad. Fuck, it's, I uh, love this fucking asshole. He's the best. Who's that? Tarantino is just so great. I'm so psyched now. If you if you do like Tarantino, yeah. be psyched. I'm psyched. Wow. I'm really psyched. <laughs> no, for real. I'm very psyched now. Mm. And you're, you're being real? Like, it's, yeah, I'm being real. Okay. Awesome. Or am I? <laughs> <laughs> no, because I, I know that G Baby, our you know movie person, uh, besides Paulo, I should say, uh, he said he read the script and was like, it's one of the greatest scripts he's ever read. Well, I will say this: uh, 
I don't know if many people play to the tension thing the way that he does. There are, Love that. holy shit, are they going to find yep. out, blah, blah, blah. He's great. So many yeah. moments in this film. And no one's done it as well as he has since Hitchcock. Like, not even Scorsese does, like, tension moments. Spielberg tries, but you know there's always going to be a big monster looming. Um, what is Spielberg making next? We were ta- Oh, he's going to make Harvey. Yeah. Uh, do me a favor, Spielberg. Throw a, a fucking... Um, Spaceship in the air. <laughs> Is that so hard for you to remember to get a spaceship up there? He should be doing the fucking uh, Project 9. That should be Spielberg's. He should take over the Star Wars. He should do episodes 7, 8, and 9 that George Lucas supposedly has written. He would have done it, too. In a heartbeat. He would have done it. And he would have not allowed, you know, little Jar Jar. If you're a, a fan of Star Wars, you should probably wait for... Um, Lucas to die. I think that's <laughs> what you should start praying for now. Um, but it, it's a again. I, I didn't even plan on talking about this, but it's not a like giant war picture. Like, oh, I can't believe all these tanks. It's more like Dirty Dozen. That's great. But man. then there's all kinds of. But we spend one hundred minutes. One oh, it's two and a half hours to film. But one hundred percent of it is. Uh, spent behind enemy lines. We're just constantly (laughs) in uh, the occupied German territory. Um, But there are some things that, you know, some people be like, that never happened. You know what I mean? You're playing with history. Yeah, history gets fucking uh, pulled in every direction here. (laughs) Quentin Tarantino, man. But what's really funny is everybody talks about these comic book movies. His movies really are like comic books and like the illustrated novel type things uh-huh. and yet they're never based on comic books yeah but he makes them the way if you read those uh type of comic books that's what the movie looks like that's what the action is like what would you think was like the best uh battle scene that you've ever seen in a movie battle scene of all time i think it was uh saving private ryan that stormy normandy Tough to beat that. That was, oh man, I, I about left the theater on that one. See, I couldn't take it anymore and it didn't stop. I was going to go back and like use like a Spartacus or something because I think if you're not, you know, the thing that's greater about those is like the guys are doing a hand to hand combat. And mm-hmm. those old movies when you would just see thousands of guys doing hand to hand combat. What about for you, Dave? I love the scene at the end of Glory. Even though it was sad, right. obviously, the fact that these guys know that they're going to die and they're just like, fuck it, let's oh, go. Oh, you mean the night before when they're dancing and they're, they're fucking... dancing, but then the, the last scene where they're carrying the flags and they know we're marching to our death, but we have to do this. Glory Otherwise, kills me. Yeah, that last scene That thing amazing. before was like, I know, I know <laughs> I am. And they're like doing that slave stuff. And it's great. They got that chant going and, yeah. oh, God. Niagara Falls, Frankie Angel. <laughs> Niagara Falls. What about for you, Hicks? The very first big battle in Braveheart, when he when they show their asses, that thing's fucking amazing. With the speech, and then they fucking win. It's it's amazing when they kick the British's ass. It really, you know what? Mel Gibson changed something there because it was like the first screaming guy before before that. It would be like we're going to take the troops down there. But Mel Gibson was fucking running around like it was like before a fucking football game, <laughs> yeah, was firing crazy. people up. Eight six six Ron Zero Fez. 866 runs your fest. Hey, Dan, you're in my fest. 
Hey, boys, uh, mostly because of the way it was shot, I'm going to have to go with every minute of battle scene from 300. Um, I just can't get over the way it was shot, though. It kind of fucking uh, weirds me out. Uh, here's uh, Adam in uh, PA. Hey, guys, what's up? Uh, I'm a big fan of the uh, like one-on-one uh, sniper battle, so I'm going to have to go with uh, Enemy of the Gates. It's, um... That is a tense fucking uh, film. The sniper thing is... That is like a war picture all on its own. Yeah. And the weird thing about the sniper thing is you feel like you could get good at that. <laughs> if I really focused, used my patience, I would be a good sniper. That's such a cool job. I don't know, because you sometimes have to sit for days. I've read some of the books by some of the guys who've done it, and it... The patience, Dave, first of all, you don't have the patience. <laughs> I mean, they'll stay in a place and not move for days, not eat, not let contact with any mm. other humans until this thing unfolds in front of them. And, you know, it can be insane. Wow. It can literally drive you insane. Um, here is um, Mike, Mike Herman Fez. Hey, Ronnie. Fez, uh, how about the uh, end of the Road Warrior, the battle scene at the end of the Road Warrior? Uh, well, you know, that's really different from a normal battle scene, but I, I am a fan of the Road Warrior movies. Jack and Maine. Hey, I, I wanted to bring up, like, Ridley Scott, like Gladiator or Kingdom of Heaven. They had some pretty good battles in those ones there. Uh, Ridley Scott kind of makes those movies the old-fashioned way, too. You know what I mean? Like we were talking about stuff like Ben-Hur, yeah. you know, where it's just gigantic amounts of guys. If you running go, at each if other. If you go back and watch uh, Gladiator, though, there aren't that as many fight scenes as you would have remembered. There's like four. I remember when they were fighting the Germans, though. That was fucking great. That's the scene I was talking about. That was awesome. But th I'm saying after that, there was only a few Coliseum-like moments. But the German thing is fantastic. The dog is eating the guy. Well, let me tell you this. Not to give away the Tarantino thing. But you're not talking about an action movie. That's fine. There's uh, there's action that takes place like it does in a Tarantino film, but it's about dialogue and tension. Kill Bill Volume Two and attitude. I, I far like I, I like even more than Kill Bill Volume One, which was and Kill Bill Volume One had the obviously the gigantic death count. Kill Bill Volume Two I worship worship because of Michael Madsen and because of her getting out of that fucking coffin. I want to bring that up. And I Michael Madsen perfect that scene. in that movie. Son of a bitch. He, he's not an Inglorious Bastards, is he? No. No, okay. Uh, he would have been perfect, though, to, to play the leader. Um, in that film, it was all about David Carradine for me, and two, that death fucking scene is one of my favorite scenes in any movie. Oh, that's so good. Come on. The speech that he gives. Yep. The whole Superman thing. The, the Kibble Not just the Superman thing, but also where he explains to her that as bad as they are for each other, he cannot, you know, stop. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. he had to do this thing, but he still loves her. It's insane. <laughs> it's insanely brilliant. And some of those things, when I was watching uh, ba Bastards, and I, not, I know not everybody uh, likes Quentin, and a big thing that happened to me is I saw dogs in a movie theater, that I only went to see Reservoir Dogs because I'm like, hey, that's a fucking cool title. 
<laughs> we should go to that. That's a fucking cool title for a film. It was playing this little uh, independent thing. And then the uh, I went back and took everybody I knew from the show. I go, I, we, I got to take this movie. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, this is un. And they're like, "What's it about?" I go, "Don't even fucking ask me." <laughs> and I don't know when I've ever said I'm taking all you guys to the movies. You got to see this. So I've seen every film that Tarantino did has done in the fucking theater. And it, you know, the fact is, is like, well, is it another Pulp Fiction? Pulp Fiction might be one of the top five movies ever made. I you know, Coppola can't do another fucking Godfather. So what? It's great. I love what he's doing, which is that he wants to take each genre and conquer it. This yeah, is his war movie. The thing is, no matter which way you look at it, nobody writes the kind of fucking dialogue. No, it's brilliant. And there's a fucking sick scene in there. <laughs> I wish I could. I'm not going to tell. I'm not going to give anything away. We were um, 14 watching Reservoir Dogs. My dad came in from work, and there was the scene where he's like talking about, you got jizz, black jizz pumping in your ass <laughs> at your mouth. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. But at the same time. Your dad just started masturbating? No. But he didn't know what was going on. And like, just the That's eyes. Like, a show. Saw, like the, the eyes were blown. And from that moment on, we saw on VHS. I ultimately saw uh, Reservoir Dogs in London just so I could see every Tarantino movie in the theater. So it's and it was just, but that was Sergeant Pepper's to to us. Yeah, it was unbelievable. But again, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, here's Tom in Jersey. Tom, hey, you buddy, what's happening? Um, great scene, Apocalypse Now. That helicopter scene, the ride of the Valkyries playing. That's amazing. That's one of the great fucking scenes of all time, without question. Well, you know, here's the weird thing about that. There's two different songs that I can't hear now. That song, I picture that. And the end, I always picture as the beginning of that movie. And that fucking scene was so great. Just a guy being fucking to so totally whacked out in his fucking hotel room. Yeah, and for real, if you've seen Hearts of Darkness, yeah. all fucked up on booze because it was his birthday. And Coppola just shouting, like, get mad at me. And Sheen was really pissed off at Coppola, and he punched that mirror for real. Fucking amazing just shit. Fucking drove him crazy till he had a heart attack. <laughs> right? Like you did with Fez. Oh no. I haven't. Trying. You, you're getting there. Not trying. You hate when we start talking about movies, Fez? No, I don't hate it. But you never feel like you want to jump in. Here's the roach. What do you got? That scene at the end of Full Metal Jacket with the sniper. That's just tense. Um it is, but Nothing is as, as intense in that movie as boot camp. They could never get make anything look as scary as boot camp. Adam in Connecticut. Yeah, one of my favorite movies is a uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Like for the first real clean, beautifully done uh, kung fu movie. Do you know that even over in China they don't like that film? They're like, huh. and so what? This is like all of them. <laughs> See, I thought that was, I thought there would be another one of those. Another Crouching Tiger. There's another one with the, the something dagger. I can't remember the full name of it, but there's a bunch of them. But Crouching Tiger, just the way that it was just so smooth with, with all the line work that they did and uh, running on walls. I mean, it looked like they were actually running on walls. It didn't look fake. I fell asleep in that. It did look beautiful. It looked so beautiful, I fell asleep halfway in. And do you guys know who uh, Tanya Bob Bab? She writes to us quite a bit. She says, We tell Fez constantly how to eat right, but he just won't be responsible. 
Even after two kids, I mean stents. You'd think he'd learn by now. Suck up the chest pain, Fez. Tanya, coming out of nowhere. Hoping I have a heart attack. Tanya wants to see me drop. Well, she's saying the same things that you say to Dave uh-huh. you're guilty of. Dave, what are you doing hitting yourself? What's the, there's fucking stripper glitter over here. Yeah. I want to use the studio. <laughs> Sandy Kane was in today. Oh. An E-Rock. <laughs> <laughs> it's annoying, though. It's like... So why are you still eating pork chops, Fez, and then being sick all night? Well, uh, the pork chops, you know, I don't eat the fat off the pork chops. I eat the, the lean center portion. But you're up all night with chest pains. That's going to scare the hell out of you, right? Yeah, but I mean, the only reason I Are you afraid you're going to die at night? Uh, there was a couple of times where I'm like, I need to just call 911 because this isn't Text letting them. up. Text 911. I'm worried that people aren't going to sit there and read that I'm having a heart attack. Well, l- l- let's go over this uh-huh. right, real quick. Right. The last time we sent you in for a stent, you were going through a period like this. And we're like, stop fucking around. And I told you, if I see you grabbing at your chest again, I'm going to make you leave here and go to the hospital. Uh-huh. And they put another stent in you. Right. It seems like we're back to that fucking spot. But this seems to be, I mean, with that, it was constant chest pain. With this, this is happening at night. It's happening after I'm eating. I'm trying not to panic myself into another angiogram where I'm, you know, stuck in the hospital for three days with a catheter going up my groin. I'm trying to make sure I'm do, uh, you know, that I'm making the right call here so I'm not overdoing it. But you said you were ready to fucking go last night. Yeah, last night. Uh, last night it was. It was way too. I. I just couldn't even try to lie down with it. All right. Let me have a bet right now with Hicks. Okay, Hicks. What happens first? Another stent for Fez. Another baby for Dave. <laughs> stent. Wow. I'm showing faith in Dave for some reason. You should. Yeah, well, he's, you know, he's proven you right all these other times. I can get rid of this, though. You can't get rid of Stenty. You really, you're really planning an abortion, huh? <laughs> That's your birth control. <laughs> no, I mean, we'll see what happens. She's not pregnant, for Christ's sakes. There's a flu going around. There's a summer flu going around. That's, That's not what we're talking about. We were talking about you bragging that you're leaving your penis in her again. In the shower for a quick Oh, it'll thing. just wash out. They come a wash out. It was the fun. second time we had intercourse, so there was barely any jizz. You know, I don't I don't know how most guys are, but after I jizzed the first time, it's basically like dust. Wait, well, how much do you think you need? I Honestly, for, if I win the bangs twice in the night, the second time I'll have a, a drop. That's all it takes. But you're still banging unprotectedly. She Watch at, your language. After I kept into it, I go, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Something just happened. I'm sorry. And she did, like, squat and basically, like, shat it out of her pussy. She shat it from her pussy. Well, whatever. They, she dropped it. I don't know the actual lingo, but she, she got rid of the sperm. There's no sperm. She's not fucking pregnant. Trust me. What a nightmare talking to you. <laughs> Unless she enjoys being pregnant. It's been the past two years of her life. No, she doesn't. It's miserable. 
Uh, Andy, you're on the Ron and Fez show. Hey, uh, Ronnie. Two things. Uh, first, the uh, the movie season this year is sucking because we're still dealing with the, the the very end of the writer's strike. That's one reason. Uh, but as far as the best battle scenes, I gotta throw in the Patriot. Uh, that movie made all that Revolutionary War uh, war warfare work on a lot of levels. I mean, and especially remember the the cannonballs kneecapping the guys just rolling along the ground like that it was awesome. I don't remember that at all. A little boring. They still haven't made a good revolutionary movie. They need to do that. People don't like to see people in wigs. <laughs> we just don't like that history. But if you look back, they, apparently George Washington was like one of the first action stars. He was a good-looking six-foot-five fucking beast. Who lost every battle that he was in. He, That's why Watley's saying, oh, you can't fucking ever attack him. All you do is attack him as a general. <laughs> the guy was fucking terrible. This is fucking Central Park where he was hauling ass across. <laughs> he was fucking running his ass across Central Park. All right, we got a break here. Uh, when we get back, we're going to be talking with Flathead about his new comedy club. Um, and then I want to um, talk to you, Fezzi, a little bit about uh, what's called New York's uh, Bravest, and that is the fireman of New York City. And I'll, I'll, I'll make it bigger, the whole country. Let's even go even bigger, internationally, to cover everyone. I'm not forgetting about you, little Canada. Uh, right back, it's the Renefesh. Who are you? The Antichrist. You got me in a vendetta kind of mood. You tell the angels in heaven you've never seen evil so singularly personified as you did in the face of the man who killed you. said this, our buddy Flathead is opening up a brand new comedy club. Uh, where, Fez? It is in Williamsburg, Virginia. It is at the Lexington George Washington Inn. It's called Bindles. Bindles, <laughs> it's open every weekend. Mitchell Walters is going to be there this week. Flats, how you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. What's happening, bro? What What is this? You're the last person in America to jump on the comedy boom of the 80s? Well, you know, Ronnie, I'm in puritanical uh, Williamsburg here, and there's just nothing to do at nighttime. So I decided to create my own action. You know, there's some games within the games going on here. <laughs> Great. Now, <laughs> how, how do they keep bumping you further and further up the coast? When are you going to end up back in the West End of Chester? Uh, I'm thinking about two and a half years. All right. Two and a half years, you'll be back in Highland Gardens. Yeah, no, there's no Highland Gardens left, man. It's leveled. They knocked down the entire neighborhood that we were born in. Wow. Oh, gone. Like it was Carthage. <laughs> they they knocked it down and poured salt down. 
Uh, Flats, what's uh, what is happening with your comedy club? Who all do you got booked? Oh, uh, I got Mitchell. Mitchell's opening up the club tonight. And, That's uh, right, buddy. Live in action. Yeah. CIA. Eric Tartaglioni's featuring tonight. Uh, next weekend, we have Peter Bales, the history professor. He has a Ph.D. in history from uh, NYU. He's coming down. Sounds funny. And, you know, we're going to jump on a little bit of the history thing since we're surrounded by the... Oh, uh, you're working a theme night for Williamsburg. Colonial humor. Well, very colonial. In fact, I'm doing my Benjamin Franklin bit. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you do that? Mitchell. I got, the, I got the Benjamin Franklin hair. I got some revolutionary war marijuana. And there's going to be a big tea party, I guess, tomorrow night. <laughs> <laughs> now, is it, are you doubling down? Is it two shows Friday, two shows Saturday? Oh, you know, since we're just starting off, we're going to run a show Thursday, Friday, and Saturday at 9 o'clock. Uh -huh. But the demand is, it looks and like... Then what, and then everybody in the Mitchell's room, we put fucking aluminum foil on the windows. <laughs> That's push good, the bed. my friend. We're doing, doing blow-up-the-phone. <laughs> Actually, we're going to go into the conference room like the old days at the Hampton Inn in Fort Myers. Oh, that don't even bring us. There's fucking Jeez. stories that don't need to be told. <laughs> They're going to get paranoid of redcoats. <laughs> I spoke with Jimmy Schubert uh, this week. Has he ever gotten over the virus tour? Not yet. <laughs> I don't understand it. He's, he's actually he's doing some Persian golf material now. He's catching up. <laughs> yeah, Ronnie, everything's good. I was in Vegas. Uh, Slayton says hello. Everybody yeah. says hello to you. Mm. Well, I'm glad to hear about it, Mitch, and I'm glad to hear you're helping Flats out. Yeah, well, he's a, you know, we're all buddies. Yeah. Fez, I was in Staten Island last weekend working, and a man has a picture of you at 700 pounds. <laughs> then it's not real, Mitchell. Are you kidding? That was a photostat? Yes, you know <laughs> it's that. You know it's a photostat. <laughs> no, because the guy, he, he, he pulled it in on a wagon. He said he just got this picture, actual weight and size. But it, he's a big fan of yours, and he took some pictures with me and you in the photo. Well, don't take pictures. Don't pose with the photo. Try to tear it down. Try to get it out of there. Well, it, it, was, it was like an E-pod. It wasn't even on an iPod. It was on an E-pod. <laughs> well, it's going back a ways. That's oh, yeah. it is. <laughs> and then he played 700 on the Play 3. That's exactly right. That's what it was. And then you were Lock it in. <laughs> uh, Flats. Yes, sir. Uh, you're going to go on stage? I am. I'm hosting an MC, and Ronnie, you know, my object to try not to get a arrested right away. All right. I'll have a wet t-shirt. All right. Why don't you do this? Why don't you open the story when you got pulled off the fucking plane for your honeymoon, and you were uh, handcuffed <laughs> to Sly from Sly and the Family Stone? Yeah, well, you know, we just came back from the Bahamas on my honeymoon. I just mentioned to my wife, and you know her, Tina Duffy. I said to her, uh, man, this was easy. We should have brought some stuff back with us. And no sooner we did that, the uh, marshals came on the plane, and it came down and asked me for my, my ID, and then they took me off. And uh, the they charge? held me down there in Fort Lauderdale for about 10 days, and uh, then they sent me back to uh, Delaware. But how, does, how did they handcuff you to Sly? Yeah, yeah, Sylvester uh, Stewart, Sly Stone, got arrested for steel. He went, uh, I guess he got cracked out the night before, was doing a show at the Lang, at the Cajun house in uh, Broward Boulevard, and during the day, 
he went to a jewelry store and asked to see some jewelry. He put one of the rings in his pocket. <laughs> so they went and drug him off the stage that night, and we were arraigned together. I was very excited telling my mom, look, mom, look who I'm handcuffed to. <laughs> It was the know. highlight of the of the honeymoon. <laughs> These stories always seem fucking better when you're lit. You gotta yeah. fucking, you gotta be lit up before you can understand. Uh, uh, honey, that, remember the time you wired me five thousand and I paid you back? Yeah, that was great. <laughs> First to him. That was fucking Lord of the Rings, you bullshit liar. Um, <laughs> no, I. Fezzy, plug plug away for the boys. Flathead's Comedy Club. It opens tonight. The grand opening at the Lexington George Washington Inn. That's at 500 Merrimack Trail, Williamsburg, Virginia. Again, doors opening at 7:30 at Flathead's. Now, there's going to be a two rail minimum uh, once you get in there. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Huh? And that, you know, that ring around my nose is just a tattoo to pick up chicks. Sure, that works that way. <laughs> He's wearing his ring. Oh, Flathead's going to the bathroom. Follow him. Follow him. Take him down. That's how I met Schubert. Every time I put my hand in my pocket, I was shaking hands with Schubert. And then, and then he puts rubber in his fucking things so he can steal soup. <laughs> um, all right, boys. Talk to you later. Flathead's Comedy Club in ye old. Williamsburg, Virginia. That's at 500 Merrimack Trail, the Lexington George Washington Inn, right there on the Merrimack Trail, 7.30 p.m. tonight. Get there before the bust. All right, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. The fucking honeymoon ends with 10 days in jail. 10 fucking days. He's a character. I was thinking this thing, Fezzy. You know how they call the police New York's finest? And then the cops, are, uh, the firemen are... The bravest. New York's bravest. Do you honestly think that a fireman is fucking braver than a cop? What do you think is the real brave job to do? Because when you're a cop, you could be shot any day. Mm -hmm. You pull somebody over, you could be shot. When you're a fireman, it, it, no one throws a fire at you. You show up at the fire. Now, I'll agree. There's nothing scarier than a fire. And there's got to be something crazy for anyone who runs into a fire. But I thought we put this out here. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Davey Mack, who's braver, copper or fireman? Fire is a lot larger and scarier than bullets. And I know bullets are dangerous, but I have to say I believe that the fireman is braver. Uh, Hicks? Cops, because uh, everyone hates cops. You gotta be pretty brave to put a fucking uh, uniform on and be universally hated uh, for fucking your entire work day. Right, and most of the time, at least the firemen know where the danger is. Oh, this is a fire. I better be on point. But a cop could be stopping to get cigarettes. A fucking crackhead freaks out and shoots him. I mean, if you look at the paper, who gets killed more? The cops do. A lot more. Really? So who are you picking, Fez? I'm picking cops. Eh. They pick firemen. I'm saying cop. But uh, firemen in really bad neighborhoods, people will shoot at them, too, sometimes. You know your enemy if you're a fireman. You know it's what... fire. Yeah, you know what fire does. It burns, it explodes. But what could be worse death than that? I oh. mean, to know that's that you're going into fire, that is really fucking um, uh, scary as hell. Uh, here's Jason and PA. Jason, who's braver, copper fireman? Hey, everybody, big. Uh, just let you know, Chichester alum here. Oh. Um, 
I'm a police officer myself. When we get there first, there's somebody inside. We go running in. So I said we got one up on them. Oh, by the way, if you want to work undercover, brand new place from a Chichester alum. It's Flatheads Comedy Club <laughs> in Williamsburg, Virginia. On the Merrimack Trail. Uh, so if a cop gets to a fire first, they got to go in. So a cop is really doing two uh, things. I don't know. I mean, they're going to go in with no protection? Uh, here's something that came up. Fireman knows every time they do their job, they're in danger. A cop may never see real danger. You do hear the cases about, I was a cop for 35 years, never once pulled my gun. Mm -hmm. It's hard to fucking believe. Yeah, and if you're in a small town, we're just thinking about this in a very urban standpoint. If you're in a small town, being a cop, you might, you know, you put your feet up and relax. You're still a fireman in a small town, you still have to battle fires. But how often is a fire happening? If you're on one of those 48-hour fire shifts, how many times are you actually going out where the cop's always on patrol? Yeah, but it might be for all 48 hours once you go in. Oh, yeah. You know I mean, when they have a fire, it could take a while to get it uh, pulled back together. Um, here is uh, Matt in New York. Matt. How you doing, man? Uh, my dad's a firefighter, and he's in Newark uh, in Jersey, you know? So uh, he's, uh, they've seen a couple things, you know, that, uh, that a normal firefighter wouldn't see. You yeah, know, but, you know, they're going to do a Sundance thing on the police force. In Newark, New Jersey. Uh, it's going to run for five straight nights. And it looks like the scariest job ever. It looks nutty as hell. Uh, Ricky in Texas. Ronnie P., hey, you sound like a million bucks, man. Hey, normally I agree with you, but it's kind of like comparing apples to oranges. We you know, we may never see danger, but the firemen still, uh, they go into a burning building. They got suits on, but that still don't matter if a floor collapses on top of your head. So uh, which one do you pick? Um, it's hard, but I'm going to go with cops because I am one. All right, uh, so you didn't disagree with me. And I actually am not saying a, differ a difference. I'm just saying, if I was a cop in New York, I'd be like, really? Bravest? I was in East New York last night. You're the bravest. Okay, fine. You ever hear cops having the time to learn how to make a good chili? Doesn't fucking happen for them. Well, but they're the finest. I mean, they shouldn't be so upset. Would you rather be called the finest or the bravest? <laughs> bravest. Finest. Never almost, been called that. Finest almost seems like like you're well dressed. Yeah, I think finest makes you sound like a gentleman. Yeah, who wants to be a gentleman? Cops do. The, uh, battling a fire is is in the old days, not in these days. With when's the last time you saw a giant fire in New York City? They've got this city wired right now for water to explode everywhere if smoke shows up. You don't see, like in the old days, the 70s and the 80s, those cops would be in some really scary things. I mean, those uh, firemen. Now, believe me when I tell you, it's an insane job to be a fireman. I'm not putting them down. All I'm saying is this. When it comes to bravery, it just seems like the firefighters get it. The cops don't. Um, here is uh, Shane in the Bronx. Shane. Hey, good afternoon, buyers. What can we do for you, my friend? Uh, I'm a cop in the South Bronx, and uh, I got a lot of friends that I grew up at a fireman, and they say to me, I can't do your job, just like I'm going to say to them, I can't do yours. It takes a different mentality of a person to run into a building, a uh, burning building. It than does. To run down, than to run down a dark alley after a guy with a gun. That's just... Uh, right, but if you had to pick right now, Shane, who's braver? Uh, it's going to be us. Come on now. It's going to be, gonna the, be the cops. The cops. 866 runs zero fest. It's a tough call. 
uh, in New York, you got uh, the uh, finest. Those are the cops. Then, of course, you also have the firemen. They're New York's bravest. The garbage guys are... The strongest. New York's strongest. DMV workers? I don't know. New York's crabbiest. They tried to name everybody so they feel in. Uh, Here is uh, Jeff in Arizona. Jeff. Hey, Roddy. How brave do you have to be to sleep until you're hungry and eat until you're tired, like a fireman? 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. Here's uh, Josh in New Mexico. Hey, uh, one of your callers talked about cops getting on scene first and going in and rescuing people. And cops are so fucking stupid, they go there and they'll start knocking out windows and make a house burn down faster. There ain't nothing brave about knocking windows out on a house. So you're a fireman? You're a fireman? Yes. And you'd rather um, find out that no cop has showed up first? That would be better for us on fires. That's harsh. All right, thank you. Here's Josh and PA. Hey, Ronnie. Uh, I was just wondering, who gets shot at more, cops or Casey's uterus? Here is Glenn in Delaware. Glenn. Hey, buddies, how you doing? What's wrong, Dave? I'm a, that was I'm not a firefighter cool. EMT down here in Delaware, and we do I do high point rescue, I do trench rescue, we, we cut people out of cars. It's more than just putting out fires. All right, so you're saying uh, there's plenty of ways for you guys to get in, in serious trouble. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. All right, we're learning a little bit here today, Fuzzy. Sure. I was just thinking about the fire itself. I wasn't thinking about any high rescues, any Fuck yeah. cat out of a tree, whatever. Right. Some jumper. I don't understand why they go after the jumpers. They that's their thing. Well, because they have the trampolines. Trampolines, where they jump up and get them. <laughs> no, but if there's like a jumper, like on a building, like the cops can put that trampoline down there. Well, the guy just hit the trampoline and go taking off again. <laughs> I don't well, think it's then a trampoline. They may catch him with another trampoline. I don't think it's a trampoline they put out there. Oh, that's some kind of that would be a bad fucking idea. <laughs> Listen, McDonald, we used your trampoline idea. <laughs> guy went back up ninety stories. And how high up before that thing just doesn't even work? The oh. guys, uh, the jumpers coming down, thirty-seven floors, and I, that thing goes right through. Well, I mean, if, if you fall through a few awnings, like Indiana Jones and Temple of Doom. You'll be fine. This is a question. Do uh, people start a still call fireman if a kid head gets stuck in the uh, stair railing? <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, I handcuffed my friend, and we had to bring him to the fire department. We had, like, for whatever reason, real like handcuffs. Like an S&M thing you are no, playing? No. But uh, Edward Norton's dad in American History X, he was a fireman. He got shot by, you know, some locals. So I always remember that scene. Uh, Mike in Long Island. Hey, what's up, guys? Yeah. Hey, don't forget uh, the correction, guys. Uh, New York City's boldest. I never heard that one. New York City's boldest. Yeah, you could throw that in there with the finest and bravest. Uh, you're one of the boldest? No, no, no. But uh, I deliver uh, fuel to all the departments uh, on, on all their vehicles. You see New York City's boldest. Who, who's braver, a cop or a fireman? I would say a fire, Jim. All right, thank you. Jimmy and Shaolin. Jimmy. Hey, I can definitely say uh, cops are brave because they show up alone. Fire department shows up with all the equipment ready to go and a group of people. Here is uh, Joe in Chicago. Hey, guys, how you doing? 
Good. Uh, Chicago police officer on the west side, I have the utmost respect for firemen, but the thing is when they run into trouble and the shit hits the fan, they call us. And when we show up at a fire first, because we get the call the same time they do, we're expected to do something, too. We've got no gear whatsoever, and we've got a can of spray on us, which is an explosive if it gets heated up, if you're dumb enough to run in there with your belt on, and you've got bullets on you, which are explosives, and we have no protection. Joe, you've been asked to stop knocking the windows out, though. It just ruins everything. <laughs> it, no, it doesn't. That's what they do. They vent the ceiling when they get there anyway. He's wrong. I don't think he was even a fireman. They, they have to vent it. And that's the first thing the firemen do is they rip the ceiling off. All right. All right. That's good news to hear now. It's going back and forth. Here's J.D. in Texas. Yeah, I think uh, the, the firemen are. I'm, I'm a cop down here in Dallas. And, uh, you know, they go into a building. They don't know if the ceiling's going to fall in or whatever. And they'll go to calls with us sometimes. And, and their actual the trucks will get shot at. Now, we got bulletproof vests and guns to fire back. They don't. Yeah, it's not even, not only could the ceiling give out above you, but the floor below you. Just the whole thing about running into a fire is so frightening. It's everything that we know not to do. Every cell in our body says there's fire, run. Just like any animal would. I mean, let's face it, of all the animals on the planet, we're the only one who will fight a fire. The rest of them just fucking take off. You watch the beginning of Bambi. You don't see a species of animal out there not hauling ass. They all try to get out. It's built into our DNA. Fire, burn, run. I don't know why they won't use any verbs, adverbs or anything uh, in your DNA. Talk like a caveman. I think it's quicker. The message gets through sooner. So, Davey Mack, you're the only one on the show to pick firemen. I mean, firemen are just heroic to me. I've seen the backdraft. Uh, here's uh, Steve in New York. Yes, how you doing? Yeah. Uh, just to let you know, I'm a retired city fireman from the South Bronx. I've been told by cops in the city that you can go through your entire career and never take your gun out of your holster. I've heard, I've heard that, too. You will never have a city fireman putting his 20 years in and never going to a fire. That would be amazing at the retirement dinner if it happened. Though. Over your, your, your 20 years, how many fires do you think you fought? Uh, well, I got out on disability after 9-11. Uh, I put 11 years in. I worked in Astoria for five years. I had quite a bit of work there. Then I transferred to the South Bronx. Uh, we had a lot. I always had a remember lot of fires. Too, I, couldn't, I couldn't count how many. Do you remember this, Steve, too? It was a couple days before 9-11, that warehouse fire in a story that we lost a couple people. Yeah, yeah, there was uh, the Father's Day fire. We lost three guys. I remember that very, very well because I was at the, um, I saw the fire from my apartment and I was at the Mets, uh, Yankees were playing and I was at, at Shea uh, with my kid. I'll never forget this. It was just a couple days before 9-11. And they made the announcement that we lost three uh, firefighters. And you heard 70,000 people all at the same time go, ah. Oh. It was the saddest sound I ever heard in my life. And I thought to myself, I go, I'll never hear about anything that sad again. Three days later, it was 9-11. We lost so many more guys. But I, yeah. I'll never forget that moment. Um, I'm going to send you the big, big ass prize what? closet for you, Steve. And, and one more, one more thing. Yeah. Uh, let you know, there's 40,000 cops roughly in the city. Yeah. There's only 10,000 firemen. And uh, through the 90s, it was, uh, uh, it's sad to say, but over the years, we lose more firemen each year than cops. 
I'm going to send you into the big-ass prize closet, my friend. Thanks for calling us today. Thanks. Be good. Um, you know, here's the weird thing that I saw, uh, and I actually got this from uh, Billy Staples, but in a place like New York, you really lose more garbage men of guys getting hit on the streets. Wow. Uh, that is a much more dangerous job than people realize. But in New York, I think we lose more construction workers than any of them. Putting up these big buildings, doing work outside the big buildings. Um, it goes back to that thing we were talking about with you, Fez. You want a safe universe. Right. You don't get one. The thing is, who do you think gets more chicks, firemen or cops? Firemen. Firemen have to. See, I disagree because I think cops get a lot of those fucking blowjobs from people that they're just letting off. <laughs> the firemen, though, actually make calendars and shit. I mean, yeah, but that doesn't mean anything. Who buys those calendars? Chicks. Gay guys. Oh. Okay. But still, they I think, have a reputation. I think fucking uh, cops get a lot of that bad lieutenant pussy. I mean, show me yeah. your ass. I mean, show, show me how you suck cock. <laughs> but I think that fire. Don't you fucking eyeball me. Oh, God. You know who I think is maybe the bravest of all? Who's that? Prostitutes. I mean, they don't even know who any of these guys are. They're going to get in the car and start blowing them. Right. That's fucking brave. They can take two in the back of the head. And uh, Well, they have, and it's illegal what they do, though. So we're talking about real. Um, New York's riskiest. Matt, Matt, you're on Fez. Hey, Ron. Hey, Fez. How you doing? Yeah. Uh, I think uh, this is not for personal injury's sake, but I think New York City teachers are the bravest because we have to deal with the population. In some of these neighborhoods, 20% of them are going to end up in jail, and all we have to protect ourselves is our voice. The thing is, you get summers off. No That's one is ever going to say you got a tough job if you get the summer off. <laughs> you know who gets the summers off? Teachers and basketball players. Everybody else is working. <laughs> and we're talking about an international thing. I mean, yeah, outside of New York, if you go to the suburbs, teaching is not a dangerous job. Come on. Boring job. Unless you're in Columbine, I guess. You know what I would hate about being a teacher? Uh, that the kids don't know anything. Like, if you're a first grade teacher, you're going like this all day. You're such a fucking idiot. You really don't know how to make a B? Yeah. Come on, a B. You can't pull that off? It's like if you were a teacher for 20 years and you're teaching like fifth grade history, like by the 20th year, you're really going to be excited about like talking about Abraham Lincoln, like the same story, the oh. same facts. <laughs> or do you go down to that level where all you know is just, you know, fifth, fourth grade facts about history and then, or, or math even? And then finally you just start having sex with them. You're around them for so long that you forget. You can't have sex like with them. My mom was a fifth grade teacher for years. Worst teacher ever? And no. She, Old Lady McDonald? She taught golf? <laughs> no. Lay it up, kids. <laughs> no, she would never teach. You know why you're angry today? She's risky. You're She's a Phil Mickelson type uh, you're, golfer. You're angry because you're fucking tired. That's all. But she. Why, uh, don't, you, why don't you stay home today? Because you called Fez instead of me. I did, because it was 7.50, and I thought you might be sleeping. I'm up at fucking crack of dawn every day. <laughs> I'm working with underprivileged children. <laughs> what? That's not even true, <laughs> When did this start? <laughs> Tomorrow. That's how fast I I'm going to get back. I'm going to get back. This story sounds false. Here's Joe in uh, New Jersey. Hey, Ron. Is Fez New York's stentiest? 
You Not know, yet. Son <laughs> of a bitch. Uh, here is uh, Eric. Eric, you're on the Run and Fez show. Hey, buddy. Hey, if you remember back to Columbine uh, and a lot of the pictures that came out of Columbine, a lot of the cops didn't storm the building until the fire department was on scene because they were using fire trucks for protection in case they uh, were being shot at. That's right. Um, that makes the trucks the bravest. John, you're on Fez. Ronnie. Yes, sir. How are you? I got cops and firefighters who are friends. I'm neither one. And they always say fires are predictable. They run a, they run the same pattern every time. People are not predictable. So, I don't know. People are more predictable than you think. Uh, friends of mine that are cops, uh, you would be surprised. They're like, yeah, he did this crime. We're gonna go pick him up at his mother's house. You're like, what do you? Why would he go there? They always go back to their mother's house. <laughs> fucking, some of these guys that do crimes are so fucking stupid, you wouldn't believe it. But yeah, I would hate. I would hate the fact of being a cop and knowing you could be shot every day just for wearing a uniform. And uh, but the the thought of burning just freaks me the fuck out. Yeah, and I know for one thing, firefighters are uh, better football players. You ever watch the Madison Square uh, Garden uh, channel? No, not too much. Uh, they re-ran that concert that they did after 9-11, like five weeks after 9-11, mm -hmm. with The Who. It was awesome. Uh, Bowie, you like that? Yeah, well, I thought The Who's performance was fucking one of the best things they've ever done. I was uh, watching that with a friend of mine who was, like, really distressed. Like, what is Michael J. Fox doing with a fire hat on? What the hell is uh, Adam Sandler there doing Opera Man? This seems disrespectful. The guys loved it. Yeah, everybody went crazy for it at the time. Yeah. Everybody was very positive about it. Yeah, well, I think it was, you know, to kind of cheer up, you know, uh, the the firemen and the policemen that had lost so many guys. It was to give them a little bit of a break, and they needed it. If you watch when they fucking, when the Who hit that cord for Wonka Fooled again, yeah, it was they, amazing. they were going nuts. Well, then I finally decided, I go, some people don't understand an Irish wake. And that thing was like a gigantic yeah. Irish wake. It was. It was. It even had the guy. That was the concert where he, he said, he kissed my royal Irish ass. It was yeah. at that event. Mike? I think it was Mike McCann. I was thinking Mike McCann, too. But then I thought I knew somebody named Mike McCann. Uh, Kevin and PA. What did you think of it, Hicks? Do you even remember it? Were you too little? No, I, I, uh, I didn't even watch it. I didn't even want anything to do with it. <laughs> What does that mean? <laughs> that I'm curious. I'm curious. I wasn't interested in watching a concert about fucking 9-11. I didn't want to think about it. I, they had no, I, like I just said, I had no interest in watching it at all. I saw a clip later on, years later. It's yeah. pretty good. Is it because you don't like classic rock? I like classic. I like the Who. That's only, only really, uh, that's the only one I saw, actually, from the YouTube. Check out the Bowie stuff. Yeah. Uh, Kevin and uh, PA. Kevin. Yeah, Ronnie, the uh, bravest person, uh, the bravest job is uh, being Fez's psychiatrist. See ya. It's a nice effort. You really could have gone with New York's bravest and tried to get the joke out. It's still it's kind of funny. It's a little fumble there on the goal line. I would call your shrink the most inconsistent. You see your shrink this week? No, my shrink is out oh, of yeah, town. that's right. Yeah, she's uh, off to Labor Day. So... If her job was so important, this wouldn't she wouldn't be able to take off a month. 
Well, uh, the thing is, if I feel the need to call her, I, you know, I call. Like when it's Pisaki? I have the number. It's not like, what about Bob? I actually have the number. <laughs> She's not hiding from me. Where is she at? Uh, Europe. She's hiding. <laughs> She's fucking taking a European vacation on your fucking hideous uh, going in there twice a week. She didn't even tell you what country? She just said Europe? I think it was France. That, I'm not sure. <laughs> then for sure she's in Jamaica. <laughs> Baby steps. What has she got a fucking cell that can be reached over there? Um, yeah, that's what she told me. She's lying. Who should call her right I now? I never fucking saw a cell that you could reach like that. So, like when my friends are in Europe, they're like, don't call me. My fucking cell don't work over here. We should call her right now. I am not calling her. Why not? I'll call her for you. No, you're not. Let's call your wife. See how sick she is. Oh, oh snap, son. She's sick, dude. She's very, very much in pain. Sick. Mm-hmm. But let's really go over this. Yeah. How can you tell patients, you need to come, you're a sick man, you need to come see me twice a week, and you can't miss any appointments. But of all of August, I'll be gone, so you're, you'll be fine. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Is it one or the other? And then when they say that, then they can't say that the mental disease is a real disease mm -hmm. because it's not like a, a cancer guy could just fucking skip his chemo pay uh, therapy twice a week. Oh, my chemo doctor's out for a month. Don't worry. But I can still have my session if I want to call up. It's not real, So why don't you call at home every week instead mm -hmm. of fucking going all the way over her house? I'll just call you from my place while I'm watching Seinfeld. Yeah, she won't even be watching. I mean, she'll be Bluetoothing you, but like playing the Wii or something. You can't reach her in Europe. <laughs> yeah, it's not like plus four four. <laughs> Here's Chris in New York. Hey, Ronnie. Yeah. Hey, I don't know who's braver, but I know the cops are dumber. I'm a firefighter, and we call them blue canaries. We let them run in, and if they drop dead, hey, we stay back. Um. Here is uh, Matt. Matt, you're on a fez. Hey. Yeah. Hey, uh, I'm, I'm a firefighter down in a, down in South Texas, and my, my dad, he's a police officer, and I, we were on a call one time. We both got there at the same time. But we ran in, but uh, we had to evacuate the building, and the roof collapsed on me, and a broken two-by-four went through my bunker jacket and pierced my lung and went all the way through my side. My father, he, he ripped off his uh, ripped off his gun belt and threw on another bu bunker jacket and ran into the building and hauled my ass out of there. So I really can't say who's braver, but uh, all I know is my dad. He's a braver man than I am. I would have. I don't know what I would have done if I if he had fallen down there. You would have been right there, brother. I know it. I, I can hear it in your voice. That's an amazing story. It could be a movie. Yeah, your bravest family. <laughs> my father, my grand, my grandfather. He was a uh, he was a paratrooper in the one hundred one. He fought in Bastogne in the Battle of the Bulge, and he's uh, we've all, we've grown up hearing his stories, and so I've always thought of myself thought of myself as hoping to be what his bravest him one day. So, uh, Matt, thanks a lot for calling us. Yes, sir. All right, thanks for making the rest of us look like a bunch of shit uh, healed pussies. <laughs> and Fez is talking about calling us fucking shrink in Europe. I'm not feeling so good. <laughs> Seriously, when you hear a call like that, right from a man. Yes. How does that make you feel? Like that's a very brave man, and so is his father. But doesn't it make you feel like you want to do a little something more with your life? Well, I'm not going to go running into fires. I know that much. 
How about just the fires of your own life? Would you put them out for me? I will do my best. I'll break my oh, windows. Here's a baseball fan being tasered by a cop at the Oakland A's game. <laughs> oh, those Oakland fans. How much they love to taser these days, huh? It seems to happen a lot. Like well, they all or just maybe, got new tasers they want to show off. Or maybe everybody just has the fucking Twitios now. Well, cops have to take it to a, a, a taser. Mm. Are you going to come in tomorrow, Dave, or you need the day off? No, I'm coming in. I got no problem with you taking tomorrow off. Um, I would have gave you off today. I know you would have, Ronnie, but I, I, I can't bother you at that early in the morning. Then it, your fucking sleep schedule will get fucked up, and then, you know. Why are you bother Fez? No, because he's yeah. up. Because you've said, come on, Fez, you've said you get up at 6 in the, in the morning, so I know you're up. I fucking get up that early, too. I get up you at dawn, and I start to work with underprivileged <laughs> children. This isn't true, though. I'm That's fucking... no idea about this. I got them in a wagon train, and I'm taking them across the country, and it's really great. No, a lot of great stuff now. Right. I don't know. I don't know if it's true, though. John uh, in Texas, you're Ronnie Fez. Hey there, Ronnie B. You are a true humanitarian. Thank you. He's not telling the truth. Do you call me a liar? Uh, <laughs> no. Oh, you don't call Ronnie B. a liar. It sounds like no. you call me a... Please, <laughs> That was too hard. I didn't that, Hey, seriously. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'm, uh, that was too hard. <laughs> That's more like it. That's not true. A little better. That one was better. Uh, what do you got hey. for me, John? Yeah, you know, Fezzi's having a great day today. He's throwing out some good one-liners there. I think we need to nominate him for Beanie Cup. He's definitely up. And yes, you have been amusing um, today, Fez. Thank you've been, you. You've been a human being. Well, that's what I strive to be every day. Do you? Well, I try. That's what's in my mind. The rest of us <laughs> just have to open our eyes and we're human. <laughs> I have to work a little harder at it. Iggy in Minneapolis. Hey, Ronnie B. Yeah. Uh... Listen, I, I don't take this the wrong way. I'm not. Uh, it's not meant to be critical. I have a buddy who's a firefighter, and it, and uh, you know, I think I, I'd never be able to do what he does. But I, you tell me about or us about uh, being at a ball game pre nine eleven, and they announced it, and there was just this sort of outpouring of emotion from the crowd that you could hear. I don't get what the New York firefighter mystique is all about because I'd be at a ball game here. They'd never announce it. They would never announce like that. Uh, well, I mean, here, here's the deal. Here's three guys, right, who yeah. lost their lives trying to keep everybody else safe and out of trouble. No, I get uh, that. I get that totally. I'm just saying, like, it would make the newscast here for sure, but it wouldn't be announced at a ball game, you know? And, and, and if it was, I'm not sure it would be the same response. It's more like just news here, you know, kind of thing. It seems like the New York mystique of it all is there's something else added to it. I don't know what that is. Well, maybe, uh, you know, uh, first of all, I didn't know that Minneapolis wouldn't care so much about a firefighter. Uh, <laughs> well, I'll just say just, you, you might be wrong, but yeah. maybe because we interact a lot more, that the firehouse's doors are open. If you have a firehouse in your neighborhood, you see those guys working. You know those guys. You know that if you go to sleep at night, um, there's people. You know, we kind of depend on each other right. here more. Um, but I would think, even in Minneapolis, if you were at a ball game and you heard, uh, we're going to have a moment of silence because three firefighters died today, that that would affect you as a person. I, I honestly believe that about you, Iggy. Yeah, well, that might be true. I'm not sure. I'm not sure they make the announcement, though. You know, it's like uh, I don't know if we have that same kind of bond here with that. 
I'm sad to hear that, dude. I honestly am because we are all human beings here together. I don't know. Sometimes I even like, uh, it's like, there's this thing now where people are so quick to do a joke if somebody dies as if it's funny, shock humor I never fucking quite get. You know, like some of the younger hack guys are all doing that. But I honestly think if you lose a cop, a fireman, whoever, it doesn't hurt to pause for a moment and think about everything it takes to be a fucking, you know, a society. Just the society alone. That you are not as independent as you think you are. There's an interdependence. Whether you like it or not, we depend on each other a little more than you think just as human beings. Got a break here, Fezzi. When I get back, you said you had something on your mind. Uh, yes, I did. Uh, there was something I wanted to talk about uh, from my neighborhood. All right. It's the Ron and Fez show. That'll keep them. No way, Corky. You're not putting up with these people. And I'll tell you why I can't put up with you people. Because you're bastard people. That's what you are. You're just bastard people. And I'm going home and I'm going to I'm gonna bite my pillow. It's what I'm going to do. That was an old clip of Fez. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. When I did community theater. Remember you were going to do theater at one time? You said you wanted to go back and give it a try. <laughs> yeah, I never pursued that. Mm. You should go back and do Waiting for Third Stint. <laughs> uh, Fez, you said you had something going on in your neighborhood. There was uh, uh, something really big happening there. Well, not maybe not so big, but it's... Something gigantic happening in your neighborhood. You wanted to talk about it. It's what I like to call unearned superiority. Where today, when I was, I mean, like I said, I've been up all night, and we have the bus that goes down Roosevelt Island. And I didn't get on the bus, and I saw as it was pulling away. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not going to be someone who chases a bus down and tries to get on it. Not with your stint. But I could see people looking at me through the window, and they had, like, the superiority to them. Uh, which they didn't earn. They just happened to get on a bus like they do every day. But since I didn't, there seemed to be a superiority thing there. Was it earned because they got there in time? I don't think so. I mean, because it wasn't a competition. It wasn't who can make it on the bus first. But it's who gets, you know, are you there when the bus is there? Right. So you're there early enough. So they could have a real early bird gets the worm. They could look it over at you and they could go, look at that unshaven bastard. I think I'd be doing a okay. That would be me if I didn't get here in time. Oh, yeah. See? I'll give you another example of this. Uh, you ever been in the movie theater and people come in when it's dark and they start, their eyes haven't acclimated and they start feeling their way around? I will always say, I'm glad that's not me. Right. That's why I get here a little earlier. <laughs> now, is that unearned or earned superiority? I think that's unearned superiority. I think it's earned. I know how to show up for a screening before it happens. Look at that idiot. Now, uh, they're asking people, because I've seen people split up and not watch the movie with their chick because they get there so late. And you're like, is that seat taken? 
No? In the middle? All right, why don't you go over there, hon? I'm going to go in the back. And I'm like... Oh, it's a whole scene. you got to get here early. And I, I think I have a reason to feel superior. No, I think it's unearned because I think you were going to the movie anyway. Right, but on time. This goes to show. I've got punctuality. All right, what about, like, um, you're at a restaurant and they're seating people and your party gets called. It's time to seat your party. And there's other people left standing there and they're very hungry. That's under superiority. Did I have my reservation? Um, yeah, I guess you had a reservation. Yeah, I give myself credit for that then. Uh, here is, I feel like, look, I'm not like you. I've reserved something and that's why I'm being treated like this VIP. Go sit, go stand. Dan on, uh, in Florida, you're on Fez. What's up, buddies? Hey, uh, unearned superiority. I love that word. It sounds kind of like Fez's position on the Ron and Fez show. Peace out. And then he goes running. I'm not running. I'm still here. Yeah. Fezzy. What oh, you got? Geez, that's... Uh-huh. Yeah, peace out. Bye. Uh, what you got, buddy? I'm still here. Yeah, uh, I have earned every bit of my career, my friend. All right, just so you know, don't try to ruin a really good day for me that you think you come up with some fucking clever line mm. that, you know, that you that you think a, a million other people will try to come up with. It's, you're the one, you always, uh, these people get upset when they think the show is about me. I'm not making it about me, so this asshole calls in and tries to do it. There's no pleasing Dan in Florida. You don't need to work blue, though. You don't try, need to drop the F-bomb. I think with Dan from Florida, I do. I like where, how you went to your water there. It's, uh, <laughs> look, I'm so upset I'm drinking a little water. Need a little aqua there. Like Nixon. No, he's calling you Nixon. Why Nixon? He's a pre- uh, David Frost interviews were on. Is your point that this bit's not working out as well as Fez wanted it to? No, the unearned superiority I totally identify with. Like, when you get a fucking um, uh, a good scalp, you know, a, a ticket at a rock show, and I almost feel like I've done something better than people who actually went to Ticketmaster, paid the, did the proper channels, but because, hey, I waited till the last second, I'm a little better now. I don't see, I don't see that as... I see that as earned. If you were able to go there and negotiate a deal... Maybe better seats and a better place. You 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 took a certain amount of risk, really? yeah, I, and you won that risk. I consider that earned. See, I think it's laziness. I would think it's unearned because um, I d- either didn't put the effort or other people put the effort. So did I, and I couldn't get tickets the the legal proper way. See, I would think unearned uh, uh, superiority would be riding around in someone else's private jet. You know what I mean, <laughs> like. Or haven't been in their box seats. Because okay. I fucking have been in box seats before uh, that I didn't pay for. Look down on regular people at a game and go, I couldn't live like this, scumbags. Well, if you're ever on a subway and there's another subway that goes next to you, that's another mm-hmm. train, and if my train pulls ahead first, I'm like, yeah. That's childish. That's, that's not, not that's a fucking man. That's unearned superiority. I think that's unearned superiority. This may be the most New York-centric show ever. Buses, subways. You realize that most people can't identify with you at all. Well, trains. People can identify with trains. Where? Trains, trains. Outside of New York, Northeast. No, I mean not subways. I'm saying trains in general. Yeah, you think they're catching a lot of fucking trains in Albuquerque? <laughs> I don't know how they get around over there. They're called cars. <laughs> you ought to look into it. It's good to see you two girls on the same side for five seconds. 
Yeah, fuck that guy from Florida. At some fucking point, Dick are weed. we going to have to have a sit down and fix this? Yes. What is your big problem with, with Fez? Nothing, really. Um, I don't have a problem. I'm trying to think of it. Oh, no, 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 sorry, yeah, sorry. Hapless no, no, victim. No, no. Yeah, again. Well, no, yeah, it's uh, all uh, Fez. Attacking my wife. That, that, that I, I, I have a problem with. That I have a problem with. Uh, my... She hasn't deserved it. And she's not here to defend herself. She doesn't have a microphone. I mean, you can attack me, but her, I don't think that's fair. Um, my problem stems from you uh, trying to override me here, trying to line up listeners like Dan against me. Hot, and why? That's one. What's that got to do with his family? First? I think it. I think it's a group oh. effort. I think it all comes from there. <sighs> I think there's plenty of stuff out there that's made to make me look either bad or like an idiot. It's simply not true. I think that's more of just I, I think it's a bunch of little things that do it, too. I think it all adds up. Nick in Sacramento. Yeah, how you doing, guys? Listen, I, I'm a trucker, and sometimes I go pick up a load or drop off a load somewhere, and the people that work at these places every single day and know all the rules and it's their job look down their nose at me because I'm asking them questions about what I should do as a visitor there. Now, that's definitely on our superiority, because if they were doing it with another worker, that would be fine. That would be earned. But they're doing it with a stranger who in no way, like, there's, there's procedures at these places that you wouldn't believe, and most of the time they're not posted, and they just expect you to know it. And then if you don't know it, they look at you like, yeah, you're a freaking idiot. Uh, here is Joe. Joe, you're on the Run Fed Show. How's it going? Uh, I got an example for the unearned superiority. I'm with the Iron Workers Union in the city, and the guys that get laid off first are the ones that aren't family to the guys that run the job, you know? Yeah, that uh, actually is uh, true of most places. Most places, most jobs, um, it's about connections more than anything else. I think if you go to a mall, people will look down on the security guy there. You know, and want to say he's not a cop. I think that's unearned superiority. So you're saying you can't even have an opinion? No, I'm saying anyone who looks down on a security guard like that is having unearned superiority. He's not saying he's superior, but he's saying that person's not a cop. <laughs> and it's not a cop. It's a fucking security job. <laughs> That's definitely not a fucking cop. No, it's not a cop, but it's people that like feel the need to remind that guy that he's not a cop. He well, knows look, he's not a cop. Stop acting like one. Stop fucking acting one. Ask me what I'm doing. I'm here in the store to purchase things. You're going to fucking follow me around? You're nobody. You're no fucking different. Um, all right. Uh, here is uh, Corey. Corey, you're a manifest. Hey, I think uh, maybe we should nominate Casey for a uh, beanie cup today. She's probably lost both of her kids. She's got Fez attacking her. She's got a redheaded Nick turning her into a fucking cum dumpster. She deserves it, man. Fuck you, fucking dick. <laughs> you you no-talent piece of shit. Fuck you, you cunt. Shut the fuck up. Winnie, I'll give you that. Thank you. I was trying. This is like sitting at the Algonquin table. It really is. <laughs> Well, no, I mean, what else can, can I can I say? I don't know who the guy is, where he's from, but that's a fucking cheap shot. I, 
you know, Fez has said I've lined calls against. He's he lines people against my wife for some reason. Not even me. If people want to call me out. That's fucking fine. But you know, the attacks on my wife. So are, you're blaming that. You're blaming cheap. that caller on Fez. If he can blame every other caller who attacks him on me, then I guess I can play that game too. So every caller who calls up and attacks my wife, it's because Fez is the ringleader. There, there we'll, we'll, we'll play that. And every single problem that anyone involved with this show has ever had with your wife is my problem. What? I've started all the shit with every problem your wife has had with people on this show. I don't I've done know that. what you're talking about. People have problems with everyone. You've had so many problems with people... You've had problems with a million people that have not re haven't dealt with my wife. Mm -hmm. You've had problems with Sheepy, with ADF, with Jay Moore and his wife, and the million Whoa, different people. Oh, what a fucking list you're keeping! No, I'm just saying. Yeah, hey, you're keeping you're keeping real good track, aren't you? And there's been Elfish and you know and what? Big a. I keep fucking track too about mm. your wife bashing. Uh, clients on the show about your wife so getting involved with other shows where she shouldn't be some guy reached out to her said can you we you can this guy follow me on twitter and you got said, your wife posting medical bills online you know what so she's uh, listening so, to the show so, so that makes me look bad wow. like dave isn't getting taken care of and guess what you know what my what? second heart attack I have insurance. I have the same insurance you do. I didn't pay shit for my second heart attack. I signed up for the insurance thing. This fucking new insurance plan that we have, we're going to be honest, is not that good. They don't pay for everything. I went and picked up my prescriptions what the other day. You, you know, do, you know how much I paid for it? Nothing. They handed it to me. We have the exact same insurance. Well, what would do? I'm not, I'm not going to be getting a divorce. I love this chick. I, I'm not going to get rid of my kids. I'm not going to abort them. I love them tremendously. So, if you do, if you have a problem with them, then what do you want me to do? I mean, what can I do to to solve the problem? What can I do? I'll fucking do it. I, here's uh, Fred. Fred, you're on the Run Fed show. Um, on a superiority in my mind, how about uh, Yoko Ono coming into a situation and the Beatles completely breaking up and somehow her running, her owning all the rights to the Beatles music. That kind of thing is is unearned. She didn't do anything. She squeals like a pig. But um, when my wife got involved with my business and started watching my business too closely when I went out to work every day, I told her back off. There's plenty of things to do around the house. Plenty of things. I, while I'm working, I, that's my one Fred, time away. From I don't need marital advice from you. I'm not giving you marital advice. I'm just saying. Yeah, what you're I, just you're saying. It's very coincidental he went that's to me, the topic, and you call in. It's I'm not fucking as retarded. It's not coincidental. He picks up the phone and calls. But he's talking about that type. If if we were talking about other things, fine. But we're just talking about my wife, and you say that. So come on. Uh, here's TJ in Strong Island. What's up, buddy? Yeah. I, I got to tell you, I mean, I like a little bit of love in the room. Everybody should get along, but Fez is freaking dynamite today. Fez, yeah. you are on point. Come like this every day. You are amazing today. That's the plan, TJ. Good. <laughs> I don't see why the anger, why your anger towards me has to fucking fuel you to to to, to do it. What, what, <laughs> do you want me to leave the show? Do you, is that what you want? Because if you do, I will leave today. You know what? I swear to God. You know what? Because you say to me, it's like, what do you want me to do? I opened my mouth before and said, someone in the family take responsibility so that there's no more babies I coming. Can't. 
and we hear today that there's none of that going on. That's what I asked you to do. I didn't ask you to leave the show. No, but I mean, it seems like you, you, well, you've said I've turned people against you. I have made it difficult for you. And you've also said several times, I want to be Ron's partner. Uh, let I me ask you this. saying that. How come you guys can't sit down and talk about this on your own time? At uh, no fucking point. problem. Well, Until today, you... it's like the fourth day in a row. But I thought, like, okay, he's just busting balls. And the second day, the th- Wednesday, the Thursday, I'm like, Jesus Christ, this is a lot. You know, like, Monday and Tuesday, I was totally cool with it. Because I thought, okay, Fez, give me a fucking... Can I... Can a, I a, a razzing. Can I tell you what I think? Yeah. I think you both stink. I think you both stink <laughs> at your jobs. Okay. And you ought to fucking work together to make your jobs better. Well, all right. I mean, if that's your opinion, I take that wholeheartedly. Mm. Uh, Jeff in Pismo Beach. Hey, I just wanted to let you guys know. I think Fez is so on point today because it's because he has not seen a psychiatrist. Fez, you've got to do this shit on your own, homeboy. Come on. And I am doing it. I am doing it today, and I have every intention of doing it tomorrow. Uh, Jeff in Arizona. Hey, I think this would all go away if maybe Dave could help uh, Fez out his secret. I'm not going to do it. I don't know. It seems like you're right there. <laughs> seems like you're ready. I'll Fucking dragging everybody Fez has ever had a problem in and making it into a team. Well, no. He, he had every problem that he has, he pins on me. But not one of those fucking people did you feel like... Oh, I need to back fucking Fez here. I, I, on the air? Of course I backed Fez you up. You never on did. You never did. Against Sheepy? I started calling him Creepy for three weeks. I would call him Creepy. Here here comes Creepy. Against ADF? I haven't talked to that guy in, in, in two fucking years since he called you homeless. So why'd you bring up every fight he had one after another? Because he brought up every fight my wife's had and every, every problem. I'm not the instigator here. I'm trying to defend. He said everything about the clients and this and that. I agree. She posts too much. The internet is probably a problem. We all have them. Booze is probably mine. Hers is the internet. But what do you mean probably yours? That's the most apparent thing ever. I'm trying to discuss this. Oh, I'm sorry. But at the same time, you, know, you guys not like each other, though. I mean, you brought up leaving the show today, but at a certain point, you know, we'll have to fucking break this off. I, I, I know it, and it saddens me, but I care more about the Ron Fez show than myself. And I do think... I see that in your appearance. <laughs> what are you talking about? This is a good You're shirt. You're very shaggy, though. <laughs> I'm going to style the beers. Um, I, I do like Fez a lot, but he doesn't like me, and he doesn't like my family. So I, I always liked you, and but I just noticed a turn that you were taking, where I thought it was taking advantage. Oh, what? I mean, what? What, what was I doing? Like making I was slamming me every chance you get on my show. Is this because uh, Fez wouldn't let you take off today? <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, at some point, though, no matter what we're talking about, it keeps coming back to this on a daily fucking yeah, basis. You're right. Every day. Yes. Um, all right, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Here's Greg in Georgia. Hey, Ron. Yeah, I got to go with Dave. I think Fez is being a little paranoid about this deal. Uh, what is he being paranoid about? 
Uh, he thinks that Dave's out to get him, uh, like Dave's against him and all this. All Dave is doing is just laughing at a few jokes when you rip on Fezzi, and Fezzi just fires off at Dave about it. I mean, I don't think... Yeah, do you see that differently, Fez, if I uh, make fun of you, if I poke a little funny? I see it totally differently. Mm. I agree. Ron is the fucking host of the show. I'm a producer, but I thought... I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I, I thought we could bust balls, and maybe that is... But how come you guys never sit down and have these talks? I'm here after the show. I never see you guys sitting down going, do we have no, real we problems? Don't. But no, we don't. Because I, I genuinely thought there wasn't a problem, and maybe my head is thick and stupid. This There's week no is, maybe there. Well, that has nothing even to do with this. Well, what I'm saying is that I you thought... You tried to kill yourself in eighth grade by throwing yourself down the steps. <laughs> How do you remember that shit? Why would I forget the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life? <laughs> it's amazing, your memory. Um, no, the thing is, uh, so, but this week, yes, I have noticed it. You're correct. Sean in New York, you're on Fez. Fez has got no right to tell Dave how many kids he's going to have when he has to have them. He's an Irish man. He's going to have kids from now until eternity. Well, I, I would hope then not. Then Dave has to quit bitching about having his kids. Well, look, if even if I didn't have kids, I, I probably wouldn't be, you know, it'd be difficult to just, you know, whatever. The money and all Maybe that. you're tired. <laughs> no. I don't this is the first time I've ever seen you on the show look hurt. Um, you I'm look really hurt. I, I am very hurt. What do you want me to say? I mean, I'm hurt. I'm just saying I've never seen you. I'm looking at your eyes and... You know, you're watering up a little bit, and I just have never... I've seen you fight with everybody. Uh, and I, well, I'm never going to fight with Ron or Bennington or Fez Watley the way I would with, you know, Tommy Z or somebody like that. Because believe it or not, I do respect Fez greatly. Flat out. But I do feel like if there's a kernel of him uh, in, with truth, of him thinking that I'm trying to bring him down with this show, then... That can't happen, and I got, I should be out of the fucking picture. How come you never sit down and talk to him, Fez? Um, I don't know. I maybe I think it just won't do any good. Mm. It it would help me a little bit the communication because, like I said, I'm retarded by not even thinking that we have a problem until uh, this week. But I'm fucking stupid like that. And that has happened in my life where people are mad at me and I don't even realize it. Earl? <laughs> Earl's a great example. I never thought that Earl or Franklin were pissed off until they, you know, were really pissed off. Yeah. So I'm stupid like that. I get it. And you're talking about me fighting with everyone. You're not backing up a, a bit here, I'm Fez. No, I'm You're not. You're not thinking any of it could be some of your fault, too? When you hear, like, the paranoia or, you know, maybe something. You know, maybe some things uh, are a little bigger deal to me, but to, to me, it's a big pile of things that, that's piling up. Okay, I understand that, but they have to do with my wife. Now, if you do have, like I said, we're going to stay married. We care about each other. Here's the other thing. But I all the years hear, I've been on this show, what you're saying. nobody knows my personal life. I'm not going to put my personal life. Yeah. You constantly put your personal life out. Yeah, that's and true. And then when he comments on it, 
You're going, wait, that's my personal life. N- never. You can't have both. I haven't done it since this week because I feel like she hasn't done anything. But that's not the point. I've the never- point is once you say this is fair game, this is, you know, on the table, then people comment on it. And I grasp that. I'm just saying that this particular week, I feel like he's attacked her for no reason because she, I don't feel like she's done anything. I don't know. I have no, I'm not even rarely paying attention. A lot of times it seems like Fez is hurt by things by you that seem like I'm not paying attention to him, and you get hurt by things that Fez has said that I'm not paying attention to. I mean, you got to admit, you're both little fucking sensitive girls. I admit that. I admit it. Well, let's just ignore this until it blows up. <laughs> That's my fucking plan. My plan is just to ignore this. And here's what I'm uh, worried about, Fez. That Hicks end up sticking you in the back because he's got Dave's fucking loyalty. Oh, sure. Yeah. That's the front there. A combined front. Uh, Pepper is not going to be dragged into this. No, I'm trying to say he's gonna. He stay. got yeah. I'm gonna, What's that even supposed to mean, Dave? I'm saying we're not gonna. He's gonna stay totally out of it because he doesn't want. He doesn't need to be dragged in here. Why does everyone just get along? Okay, Rodney King. Well, seriously, it doesn't seem like it's that big a deal. I For agree. four hours, get along. Uh, Radio Shark, go ahead. Hey, tomorrow's show. Spin the hits. The loser leaves. <laughs> we're almost at that point right now. Yep. You ready to go, Dave? Um, it seems like you've brought it up. I'm not enough ready times. to go, but uh, I think if Fez can't, if he doesn't like me anymore, then you know it's line in the sand, huh? He either straightens up or you're leaving. Yeah, because of course you're straightens the victim. Up. You would have to leave. And this will get all the I hate Fez stuff going. Absolutely. And you're tired of that? I cost someone a job. Well, then I'll stay and do that. Then and take it. <laughs> I don't know what to do. All right, we do have to go. Uh, tomorrow is what day? Tomorrow Friday. is Friday. Friday. Uh, we got anybody booked for tomorrow? I do not believe so. I think Warm Moon's coming back in. Oh, awesome. Forgot his glasses. Gonna do a little run and shoot. <laughs> I was glad to hear you say that uh, you weren't all that impressed with Mormon well, in his Hall of Fame career. <laughs> so, I know, just physically, I was like, Ron Darling could probably kick the shit out of a, 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 an NFL player. Well, in this case, you know, that guy played in well into his 40s. <laughs> He's a badass, no matter what you think about him. <laughs> No matter what you say, that is a tough, tough no, guy. He's a hell of a quarterback. Don't get me wrong. I just couldn't believe. I've got I, huge myths on him. I mean, if you count his uh, Canadian career, he played pro quarterback for like 23 <laughs> fucking years. It's a satchel page of quarterbacks. Yeah, it's insane. All right, that is it for us. Uh, we'll see you guys tomorrow. Some of us will be back on the Ron and Fez show. Uh, that's the end of my show. Donk.